It's time for Twit This Week in Tech. I'm not even going to tell you what the stories were because you're going to want to be here for the panel alone. Renee Ritchie makes a triumphant return. Father Robert Balasser is here. And our old Submariner friend, the king of SSDs, Alan Malventano. Yes, we'll talk about what happened to Optane, the brand new iPhone, and a whole lot more, including a very happy birthday to two very important things, both 45 years old today. You'll find out what I'm talking about next on Twit. Podcasts you love. From people you trust. This is Twit. This is Twit. This Week in Tech, episode 892, recorded Sunday, September 11th, 2022. You're in Newton's hands now. This Week in Tech is brought to you by Melissa. Make sure your customer contact data is up to date. Try Melissa's APIs in the developer portal. It's easy to log on, sign up, and start playing in the API sandbox 24-7. Get started today with 1,000 records clean for free at melissa.com slash twit. And by userway.org. Userway is the world's number one accessibility solution, and it's committed to enabling the fundamental human right of digital accessibility for everyone. When you're ready to make your site compliant, deciding which solution to use is an easy choice to make. Go to userway.org slash twit for 30% off Userway's AI-powered accessibility solution. And by... Collide. Collide is an endpoint security solution that uses the most powerful untapped resource in IT and users. Visit collide.com slash twit to learn more and activate a free 14-day trial today. No credit card required. And by Worldwide Technology and Intel. With an innovative culture, thousands of IT engineers, application developers, unmatched labs, and integration centers for testing and deploying technology at scale, WWT helps customers bridge the gap between strategy and execution. To learn more about WWT, visit www.wwt.com slash twit. It's time for Twit This Week at Tech, the show we cover the week's tech news. I am really happy to have this group here. It's kind of the OG twit panel let's start with alan malventano who uh left a pc perspective he was a regular on the this week in computer hardware show and the pc per.com uh to go to intel and has now and we couldn't ever really get him when he was at intel <laughs> just once you and got that, me once, once. Yeah. we got you once and now he's left intel actually gone to a spinoff of intel their nand department got spun off into something called solidime he is an ssd Technologist, always my hero when it comes to solid state drives. Hello, Alan. I help when I can. I appreciate it. Alan also, uh, when he was in the Navy, worked in nuclear submarines and intelligence. So if you have any questions about oh, skiffs, here we go. The floodgates are open. Either SCIF or SKIFF. Either way, he can answer them. <laughs> skiffs or skiffs. It's great to have you, Alan. Wonderful to have you. Good to Good see to you. Here. Look at your, look at your uh, room there. You got all sorts. All the tchotchkes. Of, there's always tchotchkes. Oh, I love that. All sorts of memorabilia. I'm gonna yeah. have to look deep into your. I'm competing with your set. I know. You know it's you wild. Know, like, uh, 
Yeah. Got to do something. Hey, look who else is here. All the way from the Vatican. It's Father Robert Balliser and the Vaticats. Yeah. <laughs> Digital Jesuit. Yeah, they're still here. Yeah. Look at how nice his background is. It's clean. You know, it's beautiful. It's What's that rig clean. over your uh, right shoulder there, though? What is that? Th- this one? Is that like a lighting lighting rig there? Yeah, your right shoulder. Uh, yeah, several, actually, yeah. Oh. So, I mean, I learned from my time at Twit. I learned how to build a basic stage. I learned how to do things and with get, with depth and it looks color. Good. So this is a super basic set that cost about $50 to set up, and it's great for all my Zoom calls. And you are uh, atop the uh, uh, Society of Jesus dorms at the Vatican City. Am I correct? Indeed. And actually, right now, this is what's outside. So that oh, window covers this view. That's what you're seeing? That's what I'm seeing. Oh. So when I when I open up this curtain, this black curtain, that's what's outside. Well, open there. it up. Forget the black curtain. <laughs> if I do all the lights flood right back into oh, the camera. Yeah. It's very beautiful. It's, yeah, it's, so that's uh, St. That's Peter's, and it's lit like... Beautifully lit. It's That's lit. gorgeous. People don't realize St. Peter's is nice during the day. It is gorgeous at night. You have to come at night. Yeah. That's when it lights up. Yeah. yeah. Also with us, longtime no see, our dear friend, former host at MacBreak Weekly, now creator liaison at YouTube, Renee Ritchie. God bless you. I thought we would never get to have you on. YouTube has relented, hey? I am so excited. Well, I mean, I can do podcasts like this because it's mostly me. This has very little to do with YouTube and mostly right. to do with me. So th- this is way easier. Yeah. I won't make you talk about YouTube. I won't make Father Robert talk about the Pope. I won't make Alan talk about submarines. And uh, it's just the deal we make. It's just the deal. <laughs> we'll we just make. switch off with each other. We'll, yeah. we'll, you we'll can talk, talk about, about submarines. Yeah. And yeah, Alan okay. can talk I have about a video the of the Pope on a submarine. So, I mean, it kind of <laughs> covers everything. Is wow. a video on YouTube? <laughs> hey, can on YouTube, we got the wire. That's that's amazing. Actually, the Pope came to mind this week, of course, of the passing uh, of Queen Elizabeth. Um, you know, I was wondering why. Not everybody is feels sad about this, but I did, and I was wondering why. And it reminded me a little bit about the Pope. It's nice to have world leaders who can be leaders without being politicians. Yeah. Uh, and and I think that Queen Elizabeth II gave such. Uh, solace and succor to her people because she could stand above the fray and just be a kind, caring person. And I think there's a lot to be said for that. And the Pope is, I mean, the Pope's a little more political. He gets a little bit more involved in the day-to-day operations because he is, he's more than just a titular head of state. He really is head of state. Mm -hmm. But he also, I think for for, uh, uh, Catholics all over the world is a moral figure and somebody who gives them solace. And I think that's important. I really do. Um, so anyway. Uh, yeah, no, it's it's something unique. Uh, I mean, I get it. I, I understand the people who have either issues with the monarchy or with the queen herself or the family, the politics and the dynamics there. I get all that. I don't, I don't want to minimize that. But there is something about a person, be it the queen or Pope Francis, about a person who is just very dedicated to duty. Yeah, we don't. We actually don't get that a lot. No, we, we always feel this compromise in our leaders. So when you have a leader that genuinely is trying to do their best, even when they mess up, it it comes off as something special. That's a so good way I, to put I get it too. why people miss. Yeah, yeah. why they duty miss is very people who. Uh, and of course, this is also September 11th, the uh, twenty hard to believe twenty first anniversary yeah. of the horrific attacks on New York City and uh, the Pentagon. Uh, I 
feel the same way. That's actually the, I can tie it in. I I remember going a few years ago to Ground Zero. The memorial there is very beautiful. But then going into the museum, and I burst into tears because at the entrance to the museum, there's a fire truck that's half melted. It's the FDNY. And I realized what I admire about these first responders is they, is duty, their sense of duty, that they mm-hmm. run into a place where people are running away from. They run they into, ran into danger. The fire. They ran into yeah. the fire. And it's that, it's that same sense of duty that transcends even their survival instinct that is so moving. And so, yeah, it is. It all ties together. Uh, I would observe a minute of silence, but you just skip through it, so I won't. But uh, <laughs> it's too easy. To I've, find. I've been true. to that. True, I've been yeah. to that museum. They have uh, tissue, but mm-hmm. like really nice pedestal-style tissue boxes about every twenty feet, and for good reason. I yeah. bawled my eyes out, and I I don't consider myself a crier, but it is very. It's a difficult museum, but yeah. I think an important one. Yeah. But yeah. you you know what's strange, Leo? When when you think about it, we there are adults now. Adults, not not kids, not children. Adults. Who were born after that? They never knew the United States yeah. before nine eleven, and how much yeah. it changed because of what happened that day. I mean, we are a a dramatically different nation, both in culture and in tenor, than we were pre nine eleven. Some yeah. good and some bad. Well, that's the other thing. Is I'm I'm watching for the first time ever, the accession ceremony was broadcast yesterday of the new king. And and you know the the privy council gathers and they say is it okay if we use the old seals until you destroy them and 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 he's going to hit them with a hammer when they get the new seals and this for me the sense of history was also interesting and there talk about people who weren't alive ninety five percent of the world wasn't alive when Queen Elizabeth became yeah. queen. So and it, I've never known a different right? queen. No, we've yeah. never known another queen. Yeah. So uh, you know, to hear "God Save the King" for the first time, to see those E two R insignia on their money, on their post office boxes everywhere, removed and replaced with whatever uh, sigil he decides to use, all of this to me is history. I mean, I think like Henry the Eighth. It's it's history, and we're getting to watch it. And so, yeah, I think for a lot of uh, a whole generation of kids. Uh, 9-11's history. For those of us who remember it, it's searing history. I'm Probably none of you remember JFK getting shot, but I do. And uh, again, same thing. You know exactly where you were. You remember every detail. Isn't that why we have the, the rituals, though? We have the traditions, both religious and uh, just in terms of society, when you have the succession or the accession, and they go through all those things. The change is very hard for us, but seeing those traditions, being able to think of them, like even if you've never seen them before, you know they've been passed down through history, and it provides like this whole wave of, of um, stability so that the, the change feels less uh, scary. It just gives you a grounding in this. We are part of a much longer, much older, much stabler process. Yeah. Exactly. And, uh, and I like that because the stock and trade for all of us as technologists is move, 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 change, change, change yeah. every second. And so it's nice to have some roots, some grounding. Um, it's really interesting, though, because like one of the things that I, I, concerned is too much of a word, but 
we've been doing a lot of nostalgia and technology lately. Like for the last three to four years, five years, we've been going back to these retro designs and we've been rebuilding a lot of things. Like, and that usually means that we're concerned about the future and we're trying, like marketing people are trying to give us that same solid foundation saying, no, it's not scary. These are the same, whether it's the same phone or tablet or computer designs you're used to. When we're optimistic, it's all like rockets and fins and chrome and like, going off into the future but right now we're in this whole era of very much clinging to the past again yeah i'm you know you're in canada so a commonwealth country you're gonna have to change your money too aren't you I found out that the, the Queen was actually like 24 or 25 separate legal entities. Like the Queen of Canada is a separate legal entity than the Queen of all the other places. And that we include some Canadian cousins in the royal family that they don't. And they have some British cousins in the fa- royal family that we don't include. It was way <laughs> big. It was so deep. Yeah. Of course. It's hysterical. So one thing that did change. Normally, uh, the British people, and I imagine the Canadians too, uh, but the British people would learn about the Queen's passing on BBC. Right. In fact, there's a whole yeah. protocol uh, that the BBC goes dark and then they play God Save the Queen. They interrupt all programming. They put the logo up on channel one, two and four. And then they all have the same message. Didn't happen this time. It broke on Twitter. It broke on Twitter. Uh, in fact, the first tweet came from the royal family Twitter account. Two minutes before the BBC had its tweet. And I think that's, mm. I, unfortunately, this page is not showing the uh, the tweet, but I think that's kind of remarkable. Disintermediation. Yeah. But, yeah. Oh, but, but what I want to point out is that the royal family embraced it. And they said, we better, you know, instead of waiting for the Beeb, we're going to tweet this. It shows you Twitter is still important. Them. Well, yeah, maybe. I don't know. It shows you the Twitter is still important, doesn't it? That story is amazing, but the the not so amazing addition to that is the fact that Twitter did its regular thing, and in the hours before her death, there were so many fake announcements of her death. Uh, and mm. it, I, you know, I, we expect that from Twitter, but it's sort of like when it happens to a major fig- figure like the Queen, um, you almost kind of want to say, "What's wrong with you? Just stop." We we know she's on her deathbed. Could you just let us? Let this unfold as it, as it's supposed to, rather than trying to to get uh, garner the attention of the death of a, of a cornerstone of an entire nation. Uh, but you know, it, you know, Leo, we had a similar thing that happens here, where there's an official channel of how we announce who gets picked for the next Father General or who gets picked for the next Pope, um, and we've been having problems with this with people inside of the assemblies tweeting out before the official call goes out. So it. It's hitting all parts of society and all sorts of ancient nations, ancient ancient cultures, where you now have to deal with the fact that the data is going to leak before you're ready to leak it. Um, and it's it's kind of interesting to see the royal family was forward looking. Yeah, they jumped on it. Um, you yeah. just schooled me because I saw a tweet this morning that I believed for, that it was supposedly Donald Trump's uh, message on Truth Social saying she had secretly knighted him. <laughs> <laughs> and and you know what I I fell like this I fell for it hook line and sinker and there's still people on Twitter falling for it so it just shows you yeah this is a medium that is lightning quick that the royal right. family could beat the BBC by two minutes but it's also lightning quick with equally lightning quick with disinformation in fact 
what is what is the old Ben Franklin saying that the the, the lie speeds round the world while a truth can, is putting on its yeah. pants or something? Right. I don't I can't remember. That's got to be wrong, but <laughs> you get the idea. No, that's right. <laughs> uh, the lie travels I, around the world while the truth is still putting on his pants. Oh, okay. I thought mm-hmm. it sounded yeah. made up, but you know, no. <laughs> I believe Donald Trump got knighted in. Maybe it is. So it shows you what I know. <laughs> Yeah, well, as as uh, Abraham Lincoln once famously said, you can't believe everything you see on the internet. So uh, I, I think we we kind of have this really interesting dichotomy of yes, that's the fastest, best way to learn something. It's also very prone to disinformation, and it's easy to citation not. needed. I mean, I consider myself uh, sophisticated, and I fell for it completely. So there you go. It's hard not to. It's hard, especially because I wanted to believe fake. it. It's because I wanted to believe well, it. Yeah, isn't it? a good fake will take something that could be true yeah. and stretch it a little bit. Yeah, and that's what that tweet did. And yeah. in fact, that the only reason why people were started to doubt it was because, and you picked up on this, it was so short and so concise. People were saying that can't be Trump. <laughs> he never wrote anything that, that short. It's too life. coherent. No. Right. no. Well, and also, as many people pointed out on Twitter, if that's true then he's ineligible to run for president in 2024. And so that would be a very self-defeating tweet. Um, Twitter, Twitter taking the, taking the headline uh, away from the BBC. On the one hand, I'm not surprised at the same. On the other hand, it's like, well, there's a tradition dashed, you know. Do you think it's bad to broadcast things like the accession? Did, you, did any of you watch the accession ceremony? It was actually quite fascinating. No. I did. I'm, I've never seen one before. No one I'm has. See another no one, one again, unless you're on so... the Privy Council, and you'll never see one again, probably. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe you will. Right. I don't know. It depends how long Charles makes it. So one of the things that, uh, as I mentioned, they has to say, yeah, you can keep using the old uh, seals until we get some new ones. I then the by the way the announcer told us, and and by the way he will have to destroy the old ones personally with a hammer, <laughs> so that they aren't misused because they're used for official documents and so forth. And then they ask him a bunch of questions. He has to say, for instance, promise that he is uh, not going to uh, be mean to the Church of Scotland, among other things, and signs. signs. <laughs> they were, by the way, all fountain pens I was noticing, but I was trying to figure out whose fountain pens. Prince King, now King Charles, had his own fountain pen that he pulled out of a pocket and unscrewed. But the other ones looked like those disposable <laughs> pilot pen fountain pens. And I hope that's not what they were using. But they were all fountain pens. It has pens. to be at least a, a Mont Blanc. I mean, come on. I mean, that's, I, they were not roller be the, the balls. Basic level. Yeah, they were not roller balls. Like, yeah. Um, yeah, maybe he doesn't use a Swiss. He must. Although I, I, Sam, had, Sam had told me that they are replacing the very famous uh, uh, Royal limousines that uh, were Land Rovers, and you see them all the time now. They're replacing them with Audi A8s. And I thought... That's, wow! Whoa! You couldn't do that That's in the U.S. Power. Oh. You couldn't do that in the U.S. Replace the beast with something made well, in the Germany. Well, ba- the Battenbergs are are your German. Family, oh, that's right. Know. The Windsors are uh, from Germany. Never mind. Yeah. Mm. You see, it's that's how it starts. That's you should, it. You should, but they're going They'd have to up that. armor the Audi eights, right? I mean, oh yeah, they have a special. Really weighs They have a down. special armored A eight. Shouldn't they be like a Rolls or a or a Bentley? Right. Just yeah. Something a bit beefier. You could armor a yeah. Bentley. It's a strange move. Or an Aston Martin. An Aston. Yeah. I mean, James Bond must have several he could borrow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Uh, all right. Uh, I, I just I thought we should start talking about 9-11 and uh, QE2. 
Um, and, and, and By the way, we have the same ceremony here. When a pope passes, they destroy his ring with a hammer. Do they really? Because yeah. the hammer, they do. That's, well, I, that's I, I imagine the that the there's a certain amount of overlap between the papacy and monarchy. I mean, it is a kind of monarchy. Uh, right. In fact, you have even, your accession ceremonies are even more elaborate and more ceremonial. The car- cardinals have to come in. There's a uh, conclave and they have to vote. Mm-hmm. And, I've, and I watched a movie... Maybe it was the Shoes of the Fisherman. I don't remember where they showed the vote. They stitched the votes together with thread. Yes. And then that's when they burn them. And, they, and if they don't have an agreement, it's white, is it white smoke or black smoke if they don't have agreement? I don't remember. It's black smoke if they don't. And it's white smoke if they do. And actually, so right there, you can actually see uh, towards stack? the middle, towards yeah. the back, that's the smokestack. Wow. So between... The, the Apostolic Palace and St. Peter's, there's actually a, a little green stack that you can see, and that's where the smoke I comes out I see it. Wow. There's a little stove, yep. and they throw yep. that in. Yep. It's, it's, it is an absolute medieval ceremony, but so is this accession. The other thing I liked, and I'm going to start adopting this, when they ask for the king, you know, they say, all right, with your permission, we'll keep using those old seals. Right, king? And he says, Approved. And that's all he has to say. Approved. <laughs> and, and, they, and they move on. The only negative, and I have to say this, is Charles had a script. Memorize your lines, Charles. If you're going to be king, <laughs> you can't be reading the script. You just memorize the lines. It's not hard. But probably Approved. still emotional, Leo. Maybe that's it. I'll have to. You're right. Yeah. His, his mom has passed. Uh, my mom is close to the same age and, in, and not in great shape. And I kind of, I, that was, for me, a part of this emotion I was feeling yeah. this, a kind of uh, a kinship because I know this is coming yeah. soon for me too. Because so. at the end of the day, they can be kings or whatever, but they all have families. Yeah, yeah. Approved. So there were some, there were like some tweets floating around about, uh, like, I don't know, there's some video of him asking some, okay. somebody else to shoot, to move some stuff. I off disagree his desk and, like, with this. Or giving him such a heartache over that. I don't give, know. So he's mm-hmm. sitting down to sign some stuff and he has his own pen. And, but there are, these basically quill pens with jars of ink on the table, and they're in his way. Let me see if I can find the tweet. Because, yeah, people are giving a really hard time. Somebody's uh, uh, pulled a little clip of him basically yeah. going, get these out of here. I don't need them. Yeah. Shoo. And, like, do they, do they expect him to, like, pick them up and carry them across the room, think, like, while, I, when he's just supposed to be signing com- stuff at a desk? It was completely appropriate. I don't think it was – it wasn't mean <laughs> – there's a guy Leo there. Leo has become a British man from a Monty Python skit. <laughs> <laughs> Disapproved. I don't approve of these pens. Get them out of here. Oh, man. He wasn't that mean. like Monty Python with that I accent. Know, I know. What's with these yeah. pens, then? What's all this with these pens? <laughs> governor? Oh, great. You're getting cockney now. Governor. Yeah, you had to here, throw the governor here comes in there. Dick Van Dyke. Sorry, sorry. Uh, as all Americans. Just don't do Welsh. Don't do Welsh. <laughs> no, I don't know how to do Welsh. I love I love the Welsh actors like Richard Burton, but I don't know how to do their accent. It's too perfect. Um, all right. Let's talk about tech. All right. Some people would prefer we stayed with Elizabeth and the Pope, but I think we have to talk about Apple. Yeah, I think there was just a little bit of tech news this it's, past week. It's American royalty, boys and girls. Actually, it is kind of. Did you see that uh, Johnny, so at all things, do you, yeah. this, the afternoon of the Apple event, uh, Kara Swisher gets on stage, what a coup, Tim Cook, Johnny Ive, and Steve Jobs' widow, 
uh, Lorene, uh, to talk about Steve and with it to announce, and I think this is American royalty, the Steve Jobs archive. I think it was Kara's last, right? Like this was her mic yeah, drop her farewell. Moment. She got yeah. them all together. Hell of a farewell. Decode. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's Decode. It's not D anymore. Code, no, Code Conference. Code Conference. Code conference. Yeah. yeah. It's no longer the Wall Street Journal. Or Recode, Decode, Code Conference. They have a lot. It's confusing. Lot. So yeah. this idea of the Steve Jobs archive, I guess, is to have a bunch of Steve videos, which, of course, they're all on YouTube, but um, the commencement address at Stanford being the best known. Some voiceovers, some oral history interviews and stuff. Uh, and it seems to be growing, which is, which is cool. Uh, and then it looks like they're also putting together some fellowships. They say, we are building programs, fellowships, and collections and partnerships that reflect Steve's values and carry his sense of possibility forward. So this is our royalty, isn't it? The, uh, the startup founder. Things that happen I mean, in the, U.S. Garage. Maybe loosely the businessman. The businessman is our, our royalty. Yeah. But when, the they, when, when Tim Cook took over for Steve, it was very much like they had to break the seals. And he had to, you know, he had to go through a whole anoint, anointings. I mean, not exactly a, a getting crowned, but he had to kind of be, you know, okay, we got a guy. He's going to take over. You know him well. Well, there's something about a fast-growing startup or a reinvigorated company that brings back its founder that it cannot become the company it needs to be until the founder is gone. Because as long as the founder is still around and kicking, it, there's always going to be this, well, was this what the company was supposed to be? Was this the regional direction? Is this where they're supposed to be going? Once the founder has gone, an organization has the freedom to sort of say, okay, we know what we were. What do we want to be? And I think when they brought in Cook, that's what they actually did. They sat down and they said, Steve Jobs did a lot of good things. These are the things he didn't do great. These are the things that we should be doing. And these are the things that we want to continue doing from his his tenure. But the Apple that we have now is very different from the Apple we had when Jobs was still around. I, I've seen a number of articles, though, suggesting that Apple is the new church, that Apple stores are the new cathedrals. Here's Ben Parr's article from Inc. from some time ago. The Church of Apple is a religion because we made it one. No company has the power Apple has over consumers and journalists. Fair? That's eh, a nice article. <laughs> it's a nice headline. <laughs> yeah, it got some, got some attention, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, it, it does sometimes feel like those are religious battles when you say, oh, I'm an iPhone user. Oh, I'm an Android user. I'm a blue bubble. I'm a green bubble. We like that, Leo. Like we love that. Like Coke versus Pepsi, Nintendo yeah. versus Xbox. Yeah. Like they like, just go like. And we had this with Rockefellers and like with like just businesses going back for for a century. I think you know uh, Padre is right. Like we we anoint business people as our de facto royalty. Yeah. I think and I it think just happens to be the age anymore. of the technocrat right now. Coke might have been stoking some flames if you're looking the at, other day because. Wasn't there some story about, uh, what was it, a reporter asked him, hey, my grandmother can't... Oh, Lord, know. this is also at the Code Conference. In yeah, fact, I think it was at conference. the end, after the interview, he's taking right. questions. And he gets asked about this blue bubble, green bubble thing. Yeah. And he's, uh, his, oh, let me see if I can find this. 
maybe his response could have been a little bit better. It wasn't is, is how I would say it. <laughs> yeah, uh, it wasn't exactly <laughs> diplomatic. Uh, so a journalist it wasn't asked great Cook, given our current culture of regulation. Yes, the journalist asked Cook how yeah. Apple could improve communication between the iPhone and Android users. Cook said he didn't feel Apple users were asking, quote, asking that we put a lot of energy into that. I wish there's video of this somewhere. After the reporter said, well, I can't send certain videos to my mom because she has an Android, Tim joked, well, buy your mom an iPhone. Yeah. That isn't the answer. That is not yeah, a... The first answer, yeah. was, the first answer was fine. And the, the second answer could be, yes, you can. There's a variety of ways and mediums through which you can exchange full-resolution video on any device. Uh, but that's not how that went. Yeah. And yeah. I think it annoyed it's, it's a lot like of people. It's like you're holding it wrong. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's about as helpful as every time I, I mention something that I don't like about what Windows is doing, and I always get thirty different comments saying, "Just buy a Mac." I'm like, "No, make <laughs> no, Windows that's better." That's not what I'm asking. Yeah, yeah. Windows, are you yeah. saying there's? Are you saying love it or leave it? Right? They're saying that, I guess. Um, yeah. Anyway, Apple did announce, and I'm not actually. I'd be very curious what you all think, because um, when I do these Apple events, as we did. Uh, Andy and Akko and I uh, did the, you know, we have the stream going on. We know the stream is an infomercial, so I consider it kind of our job to provide context, critique, approval if it merits. Uh, but there is a reality distortion field. Apple is so good at marketing. It just makes you want everything. What did you want, Leo? I bought what it What did all. you want after I the event? All. I bought all three. Oh, did you? Oh, yeah. Of course I did. What did you get? So, oh, I'm, I'm, it's embarrassing. Did you get the Ultra you got Watch? The your watch, didn't you? Yeah. You got the you got did the you? New watch. Didn't I got you? I got the <laughs> not only did I get the Ultra Watch, the watch for extreme <laughs> athletes who can dive 100 meters, then climb Mount Kilimanjaro, and then bicycle. The Rays they have watch. Yeah, I got the uh -huh. I got the watch. Not only did I get that, I got the band that you can stretch to fit over your wetsuit when you're diving. Oh. Yes. <laughs> Just in case. Just in case. Just in case that happens. Someday I take up scuba. Oh, look, I'll Leo, be having that got... watch might entice you to do those things. See, so that's See, the I got, I got that for the too. future. It's good. I, I got that too because Georgia dives, and I know she's going to try to steal it anyway, so I figured it might as well be useful for her when she does take <laughs> I have, I have, I'm not certified, but I have scuba dived a few times. I did it on the Great Barrier Reef, which was an uh, experience of a lifetime. And so maybe, but actually, at my age, I think it's be death defying act. I don't. Think it's, it's aspirational. A, yeah, <laughs> it's an aspirational watch, but it's kind of yes. cool. And I think there is a certain coolness to wearing this giant honking titanium beast on your wrist. It's the same reason people drive four by fours in downtown San Francisco. It's, you know, it's, yes, you, <laughs> you look good doing it. No, that that might be a different thing, Leo. Oh, okay, That's, all right. That, uh, <laughs> All right. Ooh. So you can drive over other cars. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh. No, no, actually, here, here's a question. I mean, I, I get what you say about the Apple distortion field. They are exceptionally good at convincing people that they know what you need, uh, which is a skill that they've had for the last 20 years. But I don't think they're the best at it anymore. I mean, if, you, if you're going to make the argument that Apple has sort of become the new religion, the counter religion is Tesla. And Elon Musk has now the most rabid fans. It used to be Apple, but I, I, I don't know. It feels like it's shifting it, over. He's now the person that people worship. Is it their Lord of the memes? Is it they're more rabid yeah. because he's under attack, so they need to be more on the defense? I, I mean, even when he's not under attack, they're out there shilling for him. 
Yeah. Yeah. Completely. You know, I mean, it's, it's, I, it's know, almost a devotion. I own, I own two of those cars, and I still can't figure that out. <laughs> I, just don't, right. I just don't get it. It's, it's just like too far. Like I see people going, you know, and I mean, I've had issues with them also. And it's like if there's even a flip side to that where when you have issues with it and you bring them up, then all those rabid crazy fans right. try to like apologize you're a hater like, you're no, a like, hater oh yeah like suddenly i'm a hater like i own two of them are you kidding me like clearly i'm not a hater i just i, I have a, like, when, when leo and lisa had issues with their ex with the, the their tesla yeah. x they got so much hate I mean, it, was, it was in the yeah. chat room it was on twitter it's like oh you're just trying right. to hate on elon it's like no i have a legitimate problem with something that i've bought oh yeah, and it, i get yeah. but, but i must say i get even more hate now when I comment on Elon and his really ridiculous attempt to purchase Twitter and now attempt to get out of it, which we will talk right. about later, if I say anything that's not positive, I get more hate than than ever. Yep. Yep. So, yeah, I, and I think when you're when your guy, there was a it's sports when your team is under attack, you step up to defend. There was a brief break when all those people went to crypto and NFTs, but now they're all back. <laughs> so. That didn't work so out so my, well. My block bot. It it actually it's like a little Zen a Venn diagram. If you are crypto, you're fine. If you're Elon Musk, you're fine. If you're a conservative voice, you're fine. But if you're all three of those, it's an <laughs> auto block. It just it just kicks you right out. And they identify themselves, so it's like it's very easy. Yeah. Do you, oh, do you wow. use a do you have a regular expression parser that looks at their profile? Is it? Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's interesting. Uh, looks at profile. It does content analysis from uh, from what they've actually posted. It looks at who they're following and who's following them. Wow. Um, and I, then, like things. So like you're not joking. You actually have code that's doing this. Correct. Wow. Twenty four seven. Why? <laughs> because my it. Twitter feed is <laughs> so much more useful when just all the low quality comments and and all the spam accounts get xed out. I don't ever see any of that stuff. Is it is it in uh, what is it written in? Python. Uh, so the main the main part is written in Python. Yeah. Wow. Right. And then I use a, a, a Amazon um, contextual their their service to do the context analysis. Oh no, kidding! Well, this is pretty sophisticated. Yeah. And then it uses. Does Twitter have an API for follow and unfollow? Or do you have to do they it manually? They do. No, so uh, yeah, you, I can't just use the pure API because I hit the limit really fast. Wow. Uh, so I actually use a scraper for most of the context stuff, and then I only hit the API for the actual functions of mute block did, of report. Did this really step up when you uh, set up the Vatican Minecraft server and you got a lot of attention for that? Was that when it really started getting problematic? <laughs> no. Believe it or not, I had to build this thing when I was at Twit. That's So it came over from Twit. Oh, uh, the, the hate that we were getting, uh, like when we got swatted, that's why I started writing this. And it was just a little tweak here and there to get to what I have now. Wow. I got to get to work. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were feuding with the Dream SMP, but no, it's way, it's way longer than that. Wow. Yeah, that's yeah. wild. So uh, I, let's, we'll go through the, the various products. Let's start with the uh, iPhone 14, 14 Plus, 14 Pro. 14 Pro Max. Uh, as usual, I would say with Apple, these are incremental improvements over the previous year's phones, right? Is there anything to just go, wow, this is so much better, you have to get it? Renee? I mean, so I think it's been true for years, and I think Apple has known this for years, that very few people upgrade 
year over year. Like if you run an annual upgrade program and it just continues your subscription, that's a big exception. And there are always going to be people who are just, they have like a ton of money and they really like phones and they're going to buy the new phone every year. But for the vast majority of people, they're on between two, three, four, even five year cycles. And they know that. So the goal is just to over three to four years to provide enough value that if you're going from like this year, probably an iPhone 8 or an iPhone 10, maybe even an iPhone 10s, that it's a significant upgrade for you. I think like Twitter and YouTube are obsessed with only ever talking about how it compares to the last year. And that has always only been like maybe five to 10% of, of the buying populace. You agree, Alan? You can recuse was, yourself had, if you're not an iPhone user. No, no, no. I, I mean, I'm, I'm an iPhone user. Uh, the kind of the takeaway I took from just, I mean, I watched their thing because of course, who, who doesn't when they do it? I mean, I think the satellite thing is cool. I'm, yeah. I'm never going to use it. Right. But we don't I even have a way cool. to think that's, it's yeah. cool. No, so is the crash Leo needs it for his excursions with his new I watch. Know, once I've got my watch, well, I will be. Yeah, 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 yeah. Watch, you'll be on the mountain. <laughs> but I mean, it's, it's cool to me because like, I mean, I spent a lot of years on submarines and it was kind of like there was the satellite phone that they had just in case. And it right. was like you had to go up and like ask to use it if there was. Would a you have to be on the surface the... to do it? You'd have to. Surface, of course. Yeah. Right? yeah. Yeah. Well, they there was some way to sort of hook the antenna up to one of the masts so you could sort of get away with stick it you know, out, poking, yeah. poking something out of the water. I, actually, the submarine and Ellen, you know. Yeah. Can I ask a question? So on oh, boy, satellite, I mean, on submarines. There's got to yeah. be some sort of policy about signal intelligence of of crewmen well, of having cell phones that can ping, right? I mean, you can't have that. Yes. Yeah, and th- that is true. Uh, but the thing is, you wouldn't be – to use the iPhone thing, like if somebody has an iPhone 14 on a submarine, like you literally have to be like fully surface and then the person would have to get out of the submarine. Right. On deck. Right. Because right. you're in a so, big Faraday cage, really. Yeah, yeah, basically. It's, that's not going to work inside. Yeah. It's just but if not. the alarm goes um, off, wouldn't Sean Connery hear you? <laughs> <laughs> just one ping. Just one. One ping, one ping only. One ping only. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but I mean, good, actually. That, but that is true that, uh, you know, there is a big signal intelligence thing, right? Um, you know, technology did advance, like, even while I was on the submarine, which was over almost two decades ago now. Man, that's. Dating. Totally. Talk about dating ourselves from earlier. Wow, um, mm-hmm. uh, but, you know, they advanced to the point where there was like a, a satellite, uh, like a like a gyro stabilized little mini dish built into the top of one of the masts that they could pop up and sort of do uh, bi-directional communication. But that's only because it was a directional thing. And so that you wouldn't be able to sort of triangulate, you know, where that communication yeah. was coming from. And they would the only do it very rarely. You know, and they wouldn't do it while the submarine what was called alert, which is there's some window of time out of when the submarine's out, which is where they're the one that can be called to launch the missiles if they have to. And so in that window, there's literally nothing happens. They're just they're a ghost, basically, for several weeks. Right. Yeah, um, I, I don't see no submarine crews doing what you're seeing from troops in Ukraine and Russia where they're Instagramming themselves in front of, of landmarks. Mm-hmm. That's that's probably not going to fly with uh, with subcommand. Right. And, and honestly, even if the technology was possible, even if you made, you know, the iPhone 21 can now do it from inside the hull of a submarine or whatever, uh, the crew has enough discipline to where they're, they're, they're not doing that because they know it's, you know, everybody's life is on the line when you start. Exactly. Uh, you know, somebody's live blogging submarine is. every day. Yeah, uh, live blogging the missile launch from the submarine. <laughs> it's actually fascinating. War has changed even in this 
technology yeah. era. One of the things yeah. people were wondering is why didn't the Russians immediately take out Internet and cell service in Ukraine? I mean, that's, you know, if you're going to attack a country, the first thing you could want to do if you can, besides destroying their transportation network, is destroy their communications network. And, well, what, and that was so that was so crazy, wasn't it? Like right at the beginning when all the Ukraine stuff started going on. There was this Ukrainian girl just like did a TikTok or an Instagram yeah. video or something about how to start up the armored vehicle that was just abandoned by the Russians. Yeah. <laughs> it was just, we've there seen were, people with tractors like pulling aircraft carriers that they just like taken over it's, like off down the, the <laughs> So the the thinking is according to uh, the Center for Strategic and International Studies that they don't want to because a we can it's a great way to spy on people. Because if we if we we can eavesdrop on the phone calls, the emails, get the geolocation data from the cell towers, that's useful. Uh, plus, they're using it because <laughs> it's you know they're in Ukraine, so the Russian forces need to use it. Uh, and if they ever win in Ukraine, of course, they don't want to destroy infrastructure, too much infrastructure. Although that seems to be out the window. Um, yeah, it's. It, I mean, yeah, when you you see people Instagramming from the war zone. It's just yeah. crazy. Well, communication is really interesting because when you, it was a huge right lack in the Russian army. I mean, way more than any intel group ever thought that they didn't come. They, they went into a hostile country without their own complete communications infrastructure. Right. That That's yeah. unheard of. That, yeah. That's just something you would never expect a major world power to do. And yet they did it. Yep. And then on and then on top of that. They had, you know, presumably they already had this tech from before, but they would roll in their GPS jamming equipment, jam GPS right. for the entire region, but then they would all get lost themselves. They <laughs> couldn't figure out where they were going. In fact, it's a bad idea because the locals know how to get around. You're the ones who yeah. need the GPS. Right. It's really interesting, yeah. too, because, uh, you know, a, a few decades ago, cable news was changed forever by the O.J. Simpson trial and by the Gulf War. And now social media is being changed forever by the Amber Heard trial and by the Ukraine war. And it just yeah. seems like there's always these locusts of coverage where it shifts to a completely new medium. And then everything gets rapidly repackaged around those mediums. Well, and that's why I thought it was really even the transition from Queen Elizabeth to King Charles was interesting because even an ancient tradition like this is highly influenced they, they, they put it on twitter before they put it mm, up yeah. on the palace gates right you know? i mean that's to me it is it's fascinating how we've ch the world has changed and like the frog in the in the pot we just it's happening without us knowing it's just kind of gradually do you imagine the vatican would change probably not right this is somewhere where tradition is so much a part of it they're not they're going to still stitch together the votes and Put them in a, a stove and burn them. And all no, that. they'll they'll keep doing that. But you do see change. And, and I, I'm, if your producer could, could call it up, there's a great side by side showing the the night that Benedict became pope and the night that Francis became pope. And on the night that Benedict came, became pope, you had a, a lot of people in front of St. Peter's holding candles. The night that Francis became pope. Everyone was holding a phone. You saw oh, nothing but a sea wow. of screens. And it's like, yeah, you wow. know, even if the tradition stayed the same, the way that people are consuming it or remembering it is changing. Uh, and right. that was the clearest sign for me. Like, yeah, you know, you have, to, you have to do this. If you're not thinking about optics over social media, it means you're not thinking about optics, period. You know what? You're right. When I was at the Motley Crue concert, when Tommy Lee said, bring up the lights, everybody just brought out their smartphones and turned on the flashlight. <laughs> yeah. I don't, you're absolutely, the whole world is changing.
Um, you, I've told this story before, but I love it. Uh, the Soviet Union was monitoring, this is how long ago, was monitoring the coming and going of uh, people at the Pentagon. And they noticed that every day around noon, a lot of high-ranking officers would disappear into this building. <laughs> you know where I'm going with this, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was a hot dog stand in the center of the Pentagon, and uh, it almost got nuked because they thought, well, the, it was said the Soviet Union had at least two it's nuclear missiles yeah. pointed at it at all times. And this was from satellite, not from cell phones, obviously. But, uh, <laughs> okay. At the hot dog stand. At the hot dog stand. I mean, that's how you I hate to say this. Able to fight back. Yeah. I, I hate to say this, but if you hit the hot dog stand, the rest of the Pentagon's probably going. It just going. crumbles. Yeah. 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 An army moves on their stomach. <laughs> you, you know, I, I went there I went there in 2009, and the hot dog stand was gone. Yeah, they took it out. Not the Russians. Aww. The Pentagon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it shuttered in 2006, I'm sorry to say. Uh, probably Aww. not because of any threat from the Soviet Union or the Russians. Um but still, most well defended hot dog stand yeah. in the United States. They probably. called it Outside Cafe Ground Zero. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, well, uh, China has China has a story like that from Pokemon Go. They had to forbid their personnel from playing Pokemon Go oh, because wow. they you could see patterns of people walking around these dark, uh-huh. like on the map areas, and they figured out, oh, these are guards trying to get their kilometers in while they're doing their guard duty. Wow. Like, oh, yeah. So that's a, that's a Chinese government facility. It's fantastic. Uh, I want to take a little break because, uh, you know, we've been talking a lot and I've got to get a commercial in. But I do want to come back and talk about this iPhone. Both Ben Thompson and uh, Jason Snell have actually made some really interesting points about this new iPhone. We'll get to that in just a little bit. So great to see you again. Renee Ritchie, uh, now creative liaison at YouTube. But still, you're still doing the channel, right? You still do stuff at Yep, doing yeah. one video a week. Because that's all you have time for now. Yes, I used to do like three to four videos a week. Now I'm doing one a week. But I just put up this week's video, and it's all about the outrage over eSIMs, which we could talk about. Today. Oh, yes. That's actually, talk about the courage port. Now it's the courage yeah. tray. Uh, we yes. will definitely talk about that. Uh, just, is this your advice to creators to don't, don't burn yourself out doing, trying to do too many videos a week? I mean, so the truth is, like, you want to get to a point, and I'm, I'm just repeating something that Todd Beaupre, who's a director of Discovery at YouTube, really, really nice guy, said that you want to get to a point where you're increasing the value of your videos. So it's not the quantity that you're making, but the quality that you're making, and that those videos attract enough audience, enough views, that you don't have to, like, continually run on a hamster wheel. Oh, I like it. Marquez Brownlee yeah. does that. He doesn't put out so many videos, but he qua- focuses on the quality of it. Mark Rober, one, one a month. Mark yeah. Rober, yeah. Mark, and Mark his, Rober. Yeah. His stuff is so good. He's the NASA scientist who makes the glitter bombs. Uh, and we finally <laughs> found out what he did at Apple. Oh, what did he do at Apple? My, he was on the AR project. You're kidding. No, yeah, oh. he was working on the augmented reality headset. Not, yeah. not anymore? No, because uh, his YouTube channel, I think, outgrew uh, with yeah. what Apple was comfortable with. <laughs> well, that just shows you. You can do one a month and you don't have, yeah. to, you don't have to work at Apple anymore. That's yeah. pretty, yep. pretty darn. And then you host, you host Jimmy, uh, Jimmy, was it not Jimmy Fallon, Jimmy uh, the other, Kimmel. Jimmy, Jimmy Kimmel. Yeah, you host Jimmy Kimmel. That's yeah. great. Yeah. Uh, nice. Alan Malventano, no longer at Intel, but still Mr. SSD now for 
the spinoff Solidime, uh, mostly drives or memory or it's NAND, right? I mean, when I was at Intel, it dealt a little bit more with memory, right? I would deal with the Optane stuff as well, uh, which we can talk about it a little, a little yeah, bit later. Yeah, that's the late want. lamented um, Optane, yeah. Yeah, uh, but now it's it's just the NAND slash SSD uh, technology, nice. be it for Solidime or for SK Hynix. Like we're all you know we're all together now uh, on data center and uh, client sides. You think uh, anything, basically anything SSD spinning hard drives are uh, are going to aim at the same garbage dump as VHS tapes and uh, cassettes? <laughs> or? I don't know. I mean, cost per gig is still it's amazing, you know, isn't it? Yeah, the cost per gig still winning on yeah. the hard drive side. If you just need a bunch of mass storage, perfect for my NAS. Your way to go. I wouldn't want to put an SSD yeah. in my NAS, although you can. Uh, I mean, you can, but it, it's just not cost effective right, right now. Right, right, right. Yeah. Don't let me forget to ask you about Optane uh, before the show's over because I do want to, but not right now. Also, Father <laughs> Robert Balasair, the digital Jesuit, and uh, you know it's great to see you again. How much longer uh, before you come home? Please come, That's come back. That's a great come question. Back to us, Robert. Re- <laughs> come back to Look, us. Every every time I meet with Father General, I always ask the question. I said, "So you know, it's been one year. It's been two years. It's now been five years. Yeah, maybe next year is a good time for me to go back to the states." And he always has the same answer. He says, "You should learn more Italian." Oh, that's not a good answer. Either you're going to be, but, oh, but maybe you're going to New Jersey. It's possible. Uh, mashed potato in the discord actually he found the the photo from us so that's 2005 oh, nice. versus 2013 let me so in 2005 you've got a blow up version of this here let's see if yeah, I get it's it it's oh look i, it's I see amazing. i see leo i see leo holding the oh iPad that's up. me recording it yes <laughs> look at look at all the it's not it's the camera phones i have to say you can't go anywhere anymore everybody's recording all the time all the time. I, I love yeah. the person holding up the iPad, though, the yeah. tablet to take yeah. a picture. Yeah. That's, I want to see the next special. time. I want to see what it is. That's interesting. Yeah. Look at all the camera phones. Wow. Well, Leo, the next time it's all going to be Google Glass, right? Yeah. Yep. Oh. You'll be wearing your Apple AR headset. <laughs> my my, uh, my <laughs> Snap goggles, yeah. whatever they call those things. Yeah. <sighs> They'll wow. just replace your retinas with something. That is an amazing picture. That is incredible. Yeah. It's true. I mean, every concert I go to now, I have to kind of like get the phones yeah, out of the way. It's so kind of put your phones down. Like, watch put your phones the, down, kids. Put your phones down. There's a guy playing here. The, the yeah. worst ones. And I, didn't see, I see less of this now than I used to. But it used to be everybody would do a selfie. Like they'd turn around, turn their back right? to the singer and take a picture so that, hey, you know where I am. Look at that. Look at that right at behind me. wearing their Red slash Stevens, hats right anymore there. where you can't see over them any. Yeah. yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Ugh, I, I know, I'm an old man shouting at the clouds. Uh, our show today brought to you by Melissa. Did you know, if you're in business, that poor quality data can cost you big time? I'm talking your address list, your customer, supplier list, your contact information. On average, big organizations and small lose $15 million because of poor quality data. And of course, the longer it stays in your system, the worse it gets, the more it'll cost you. To ensure your business is successful, your customer information has to be accurate, and that's why you go to Melissa. They are the address experts. 
the leading provider of global data quality and address management solutions. It's, it's not just sending a bill or a catalog to the wrong address. It's calling somebody by the wrong name. You know, you've got a customer service line and somebody calls in and you call them by the wrong name or say, oh, you live in Idaho? No, I live in Florida. You're just making a customer that's already upset more upset, more frustrated. And there's another reason why you want good quality data, authentication, verification. You may have compliance requirements around those uh, very important things. And you certainly want to for security. Melissa recently partnered with IDPAL to launch something brand new, Melissa ID. This is seamless contact verification. And they do it in real time. Melissa ID is a unique, fully customizable, out-of-the-box SaaS solution. It uses a multi-layered approach, biometrics, facial matching, liveness testing, address verification, document checks, automated identity verification. Something you may have to do, for instance, if, if you've got to be compliant with any money laundering laws or politically exposed person laws or Bank Secrecy Act. Melissa's really amazing. 35 plus years in address standardization, correction, and verification. And they keep clearly, keep up with the times. I'm sure in the early days, it was probably zip plus four. They now, this new app, Melissa ID, has coverage of over 6,000 identification documents across 200 countries and jurisdictions. Ideal for any type of business charged with reducing costs associated with the customer acquisition, operations, fulfillment, fraud, and, of course, compliance. Protect your data from decay. 2.1 billion clean, validated records in their database they can match your data with. That means there's almost certainly they've got a record that's correct. They can replace your bad data with. You could score and target customers with detailed demographic and firmographic data appends. You can complete customer records. You can add missing names, addresses, phone numbers, email addresses. And, of course, they treat your data like the gold that it is. Melissa undergoes independent security audits to be SOC 2, HIPAA, and GDPR compliant. They can also get rid of duplicate information. If you're sending four catalogs to the same address, you're wasting money. Melissa's data matching will eliminate clutter and duplicates, increasing the accuracy of the database, reducing postage and mailing costs. So you got batch address cleansing. You've got identity verification. They have geocoding that can convert addresses into latitude and longitude automatically. They can verify email addresses, remove up to 95% of bad email addresses from your database. They even have an app on iOS and Android. It's called Lookups. Let's you do onesie twosie, search addresses, names, and more at your fingertips. So make sure your customer contact data is up to date. Try Melissa's APIs in the developer portal. It's easy to log on, sign up, and start playing in the API sandbox 24-7. Get started today with 1,000 records clean for free. Melissa.com slash twit. Melissa.com slash twit. And we thank him so much for supporting This Week in Tech. You do the same, dear listener, dear viewer, when you use that address. So make sure you do. Melissa.com slash twit. Okay. So, I, you know, the satellite thing's interesting. I don't know how we're going to test it. Uh, but I think if, if you know, it's a, it's a great thing to have. T-Mobile announced something similar with Starlink the week before, knowing Apple was probably was about to announce this. We now know that Apple will be partnering with Global Star. Partnerings even more, really, because they say they'll pay for 95% of the costs associated with additional launches that Global Star is going to have to make to put satellites up to do this service. So Apple's getting in the satellite business, in effect. Yeah. 
too many people are getting into the satellite business. There's I a agree. Finite amount of space. I agree. Around the planet, we talked about this with Rod Pyle today on the radio show. Uh, everybody's launching satellites. In fact, so much so that in the next Elon Musk Starlink launch, is there's another satellite company piggybacking on that. And the thing is, it's all overlapping, right? It's like we got. F- Four different companies doing the same thing. And, of course, each of them has to have their own satellite. This is so much of a problem. The FCC announced uh, this week that they were trying to establish a rule requiring people to get their old satellites out of the sky. They say, we want to make it so you have five years to either deorbit it or launch it into space or something because they're going to just jam the place up. Which is a good idea, but it's a non-starter because they place the onus on the country yeah. responsible for not the, the launch, not the company. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, unless every country starts putting down a huge bond for every satellite a company launches into space, they're going to get to a point where a company has gone out of business and now they're stuck with a $10 billion bill to deorbit a bunch of satellites. I, I, I know space is big. <laughs> we know that. Even it's bigly. orbital space is bigly. Big. Big. But... It seems like everybody and their brothers, thousands. Is this the wrong way to make a Dyson Sphere, people? Can we just have a (laughs) – we just pause, take a break? This is not what they meant. Crazy. Um, But you know we'll see ads in a year from Apple from somebody who was on a mountain, broke their toe, and they couldn't get help, and they got satellite help. It could be me, to be honest with you. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Me and my new watch. I mean, I think I would want that, and I think the crash detection is interesting. Both the watch and the phone – have uh, more accelerometers, uh, better accelerometers, and and yeah. also uh, some sort of impact detection thing, right? What they yeah, s- algorithms. If, yeah. In case you come to a sudden arboreal stop. <laughs> well, that coupled <laughs> a little, with a, a little higher, West Wing reference there. I got it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> has a higher G-rated sensor coupled with the new algorithms. Yes. Right? Yeah. But what did they say? This I I missed it, but this is some huge amount of G's, like. Yeah, 256. 200. Is that okay, how many look, Gs if, you get in a crash? If your, watch, if your watch experiences 256 Gs, you're dead. <laughs> it's like uh, there's, there's no other yeah. way for you to just... Uh. <laughs> but also well, the I mean, barometric if, if, pressure if, because it registers the airbag going off by the change in the barometric right. pressure. It does? That's part of it? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So what they're obviously doing is uh, using machine learning. They showed a bunch of crashes. And they use machine learning. Well, what is it like? What is it? What's it what, what is the change in, in in the environment when you hit something really, really hard? And let's let some of them stable coin crashes, or is that yeah, different? Let's like, make, let's make made a <laughs> and then it will call emergency services. I know it's good for the ads. In fact, Apple even started the yep. uh, event with a big ad uh, for this stuff. I uh, like how the phone is in pristine condition while the car right. is out, just being destroyed. Around it, one of one of my family members shall not be remember name named got in a crash. <laughs> she was fine. The only problem was her phone went flying out the window, <laughs> and we never found it. So, so uh, yeah, I think she the, shall not be named, but we'll give you enough demographic data to make it. Yeah, I think. You, well, she doesn't That's have right. a phone. Let's put it that way. Um, <laughs> Two hundred fifty-six G's. Holy camoly. Um, all right. So this is, I mean, this is clearly Apple 
doubling down on what Tim Cook has always said, which is that the, our next big business is going to be health. It's going to be protecting you. And health I think and safety. this is health and safety is a very nice place for them to be in. You know, they're already kind of owning the privacy space, whether it's marketing only or for real. They clearly own it. Now they're going to own this health and safety space. I think that's you're going to it's they're going to get to the point where people are going to feel like Apple's taking care of them. And it's non-contentious. Like it's not something that people are going to yell or scream or complain about as like they might some other areas of business. They, right. We had seen a rumor that they were going to have temperature sensors, but what we didn't know is how much they were going to focus that on women, which again, brilliant, very smart. Um, yeah. Although the marketing what, move is definitely smart. What, is, what do they call it? Retroactive ovulation? That sounds very sci-fi. <laughs> It's uh, uh, well, cycle tracking via temperature changes. Yeah, but they won't basically. tell retroactive you retroactive ovulation. Is yeah. that like an Elon Musk thing? It sounds like, um, like a well, space temperature changes happen like like after or it's more the, about like, population of the cycle. Or they don't know your exact temperature, but they know how it's going up or down. It's all it's a relative right, trends. Yeah, relative temperature. We knew that. In fact, I have an aura ring that does the, the same thing, but. I think it's very smart of them to focus on women's health uh, for this thing. Because uh, neither Fitbit nor Samsung nor the Aura talk at all about cycle tracking. Apple, that was the number one bullet point. They spent a lot of time talking about that. And then this um, this thing about retroactive ovulation, I think they're trying to say, we can't tell you ahead of time. <laughs> <laughs> but we could tell you a- afterwards, or s- I don't know. Um, I'll have to let uh, this the- was big. Yeah, this was big at CES about three years ago. There was a company I think called Comper that was selling devices that would do this. They would actually do ov- uh, specifically ovulation tracking. Um, and actually, I think Apple bought them, didn't they? Ah, uh-huh. well, there you go. That, that, that might have been where they now. got the tech. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Good on you, uh, Apple. Uh, I guess is all I can say. I, um, it's so it's more than just period tracking. I mean, it, it gives you uh, period predictions, a retroactive notification about your ovulation date, which you know the people want to know about their ovulation uh, date either when they want to get pregnant or don't want to get pregnant. That's of course yeah. when you're most fertile. Unfortunately, knowing about it after the fact seems less useful, but I guess that's, <laughs> that's the best they can oh, do. Oh, yeah, I was pregnant. Oh, okay. Yeah, oh, whoops. Um, First steps. Yeah. And again, probably one of the reasons Fitbit, which is owned by Google, Samsung, and Aura are having trouble doing this is privacy. We already know right. that peri- many period tracking apps are, you know, disclose this information to third party data brokers. Very leaky. Very leaky not a good word to use when you're talking about this so plus this takes a lot of the this takes a lot of the pressure off she hulk and star trek and lord of the rings right because people can that's right <clears throat> i'm sorry finish that you sentence know, the feature that, wait a minute no i, need I was just to gonna say because, I, I, I was just gonna say because people are so busy complaining about that apple actually focusing on features for women is going to give them a whole oh okay. new sphere to lose their fragile little minds over oh good thank goodness uh, yeah <laughs> i wasn't sure where you were going with that one um all right, so those are these are all good features, and I think that there is a lot to be said for Apple generating this goodwill with its users. Right, we're here to protect you. We're here to protect your privacy. We're here to help you with be more healthy. This is a good story. 
Both Mark. Uh, I, go ahead. On a whole, I mean, of all the majors, even though I'm not an Apple fan, I would trust Apple with my personal data more than I would trust yes. Samsung, Microsoft, Absolutely. or any of the big ones. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Both Ben Thompson and Jason Snell did point out that the modern-day Apple is much more interested in ARPU. We've talked about this before, the average revenue per user mm-hmm. in selling services. And in fact, interestingly, in the U.S., the iPhone prices did not go up. Uh, and, and I think they're charging less for the Watch Ultra than the comparable Garmin by a couple of hundred bucks. So Apple is either very sensitive to pricing or understands that it's more important that they get these devices in people's hands so that's that they been can true. make money on services. That's been true since China Mobile. China Mobile, like they got Verizon and then they got China Mobile a few years after that. And that was the last big uh, market for them to expand into, you know, absent there being one day Apple stores on Mars. And I think that's the moment. Uh, and I think we talked about that on MacBreak for years, that they went from building up the iPhone to using the iPhone as a platform to build up not just services, but ancillary products like AirPods and Apple Watch. Yep. All of the Apple, T- like all of those things are built, AirPlay, all those things are built on top of iPhone. And now they have expanded services from iCloud all the way through the stack. All of it, again, built on on iPhone. So it's, it's, an, it's an amazing platform platform play where once you get to a point where you can't have that many more customers, almost everybody who has an iPhone can afford an iPhone or wants an iPhone, you know, has that iPhone, you got to start getting more money from those same customers. And that's a whole shift in business model. Well, they know how to do it. That's pretty clear. Yeah. I, I think we should let Renee talk about eSIMs for a few minutes. So <laughs> I, a number of people, Apple didn't say this is courage, but I think this is courage. A number of people pointed this out. One thing to take away a headphone jack, but to take away the SIM tray means you're taking away any possibility of using a SIM, right? There's no, no more yes. SIMs. Yeah, like, so, so here's, the context of, here's the context of why I bring it up is that me, like I would imagine many of the other folks that might have a set of phones within the family and then they're like the main technology person. So the main phone account is probably in their name, right? And they probably do the whole phone hand-me-down thing whenever they do the next yes, upgrade. Yes, we do that. Right? Yep. In fact, what the heck happens I, now? I remember vividly, <laughs> I'm, I'm at the head of the table, then there's Lisa, then there's her son Michael, then there's her ex-husband Mike. Right. And I, rem- I bring out the SIM tray poker I remove uh-huh. the SIM from my phone, give it to Lisa, put it in the you new play phone. musical SIM chairs. It, right. goes, it goes all the right. way down. Poke, poke, poke. So now what happens? I think what you have you to call the company, which is annoying. No, it's, no, it's blue, you can Bluetooth SIM transfer. Like it, what? For iPhones, at least. Yeah, you just, they, they Bluetooth pair and transfer the SIM data. Oh, that's super cool. But, wait, yeah. but, okay. As long so as you're paired with another that, iPhone. Like, how does yes. that, does it trade them? Does it swap them? What happens? I think it can transfer from one to the other. one to the other. Yeah, right. But what happens? You've got to go in reverse order now. So in the past, you would get a SIM. You would have a SIM and just put it in the new phone. That would automatically make it your phone. Now, uh, so I'm going to get my new phone on Friday. What do I do, Renee? I'll have my old. It's part of the setup, buddy. So like setup, buddy, which already has like three thousand steps on it. Uh, There'll be a step to (laughs) set up the SIM. Uh, So this is U.S. only. First, like there's still SIM cards everywhere, but the U.S. The U.S. is the only one going. eSIM only. So during the setup process, it'll it'll pop up that screen for you. And it can also, you don't need Wi-Fi anymore to set it up because that would be problematic if you didn't have a SIM card. Uh, so it can also just join the, the like the, the, I forget what the term is for it, but it, it, it can uh, go like online and connect to your SIM. Yeah. 
I don't think it's point to point Bluetooth. I think it's um, I have to look well, it up. It's got to have uh, more but security it, it can, than that because um, yeah. I mean we already have a problem with people stealing SIMs. Imagine if it were Bluetooth, uh, right. SIM hijacking that would could could conceivably occur. I mean that's a non-starter for me because I I actually You're buy You're SIM Italy. cards. Yeah, yeah. What, any right. country I go to, I buy a SIM card there and I put it into my phone. So there is no store e transfer SIMs on. Yeah, you eight, can, you can have eight e-sims, e-sims and only two is active at any given time, which is probably more than enough. Now, The Verge okay, did say the loss of the headphone jack was was user hostile, was, yeah. was stupid and user hostile. They didn't go quite so far with this. The one thing that's interesting, though, is that like the headphone jack, HTC got rid of headphone jacks years before Apple did, but nobody really cared. And Motorola had an eSIM-only phone two or three years ago. Nobody cared. It's that when Apple does it, every other carrier now, every other phone company now has cover to do the same thing. And that's what we tend to see the entire... Samsung will make an ad making fun of them, and then a year later they'll do the same thing. Meanwhile, everyone else will just, you know, <laughs> quietly move over. So right. this is... Okay, so this is Apple's list of wireless carriers that support eSIM carrier activation. And they're actually yeah. in quite a few countries. Uh, not Italy, I'm sorry, uh, Robert. And then, then there are quite a few companies within the U.S., that support it. And then this is the eSIM quick transfer that you were talking about, yeah. Renee. And that's a subset of those. In fact, it's not a far fewer carriers in the no, U.S. MVNOs especially are going to have issues. Yeah, They're AT&T, MVNO, C Spire, T-Mobile, U.S. Cellular, and Verizon only in the U.S. will support that. Yeah, I mean, I, It's I going to be really annoying for nerds. Several times a week. Yeah. So I'm not yes. going yeah. through a, a SIM swap process. Well, the I, good I news is just put in the card. You can't, Robert, get that iPhone in Italy. You can only get it in the U.S. Not even in Canada can you get the eSIM. Yeah, right? no, ours have SIM cards. You, well, you we have, have, so everywhere else has eSIM and regular SIM. You have both. Right. You have a tray. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what you need is the tray. So I understand when you take the tray out. It occupies a lot of real estate. And it, it's another hole in the case, which makes it harder to seal the case up. I think it makes sense. It's also like, it's not that main free. So this is like one of those things where we talked about different user groups, different constituencies, all with different priorities and where you start weighing those things. So there's going to be a lot of nerds like myself included who are super salty about this because like we have 18 phones and we move that SIM card around all the time. But most people don't. Most people have a phone for four to five years and also people with accessibility issues having to get a SIM tool and swap the thing. Even people who are just like poor iron coordination, those those nano SIMs, like they fall out, they drop, they try to put it in the right way. Like it's if you ever watch someone in your family try to do it without grabbing it from them and doing it yourself, you have more patience than Padre, I think, at that point. Um, but it's just like it, it does solve problems, but it does create all sorts of other problems. What Those about the, the contention that, that it makes it easy? It makes it more friction free to change carriers. I'm on T-Mobile, but I want to go to Verizon. Is it is it easy to do that? It's differently annoying. Like in both cases, like you have to get. So like I, I, I was telling a story. Like you have to go and get a SIM card, and sometimes they won't give it to you. And sometimes they charge you for it. Sometimes they mail it to you, and you don't get it. Yeah. Uh, sometimes you get it and, it, and like it doesn't work for like SMS for some reason. Oh, your SIM card is faulty, and you've got to go have your Constant SIM card problems. changed. Also, problems yes. when we went to five G. I got a notice from both my carriers, T-Mobile and Verizon. Oh, you got to need to get a new five G SIM. So my existing SIM didn't support 
whatever it and was. And it's also intolerable. It's, it's borderline intolerable that it's been going on this long because for everything else that we have, all we do is log in. You don't need a separate chip for your email or your or your messaging service or your like your website. Like we're not right. pushing a bunch of little cards around, but we've had this archaic process for so long with these. And it really should be something is like I log out of AT&T, I log into T-Mobile. We're not there yet. Eastem's got us a step closer, but the more we, and they hate it, but the more that we can dumb pipeify them, the faster the better. The sooner. I'm, I'm all for Except- pushing pushing forward the future. And when Apple does something, <laughs> see, take away the headphone jack, push forward the wrong future. But when you do something like this to push push forward the future, I'm, and think of all the paper clips that have oh, died. Oh, I have 18 ports on my phone. It up to me. Yeah, you would. I, I don't want I to have double. I would have double USB C to my yeah. account. I, I don't want my login. Oh, you want a burner? To all, you want a burner? Phone. Yeah. I mean, it's it's. I am very paranoid about that. I want that disconnect. I want to be able to swap SIMs. I want the carry not to know which services I'm using. That's that's the whole thing. That's how I build up my mobile presence. So, but they're tying. You have to pay for it, so they tie it to you through your payments. Well, or do you go out and buy? Where, sp- here's some cash. Here's some lira. Give me a SIM. No, exactly. <laughs> Oh, okay. there, there's there's nothing that ties these sims to me. Oh, when okay. I dump them, they're gone forever. Oh, you're good. Wow. Oh, we should. We, sorry, we should check with the skiff on that. We should get a ruling. <laughs> <laughs> I've always thought the Father Robert really, has excellent opsec, really, but maybe not. I don't know. Maybe Alan has something to say about that. I mean, I mean that is a good opsec, but on, but honestly, like I mean, I've been, I've I've walked around Padre's uh, digs over there, uh, you know, mm-hmm. in Italy. Uh, on vacation and yeah i can attest to yes you could probably just go onto any given street corner and find some person that will just sell sims for yeah, cash it's different but they work for the doing company. anything we know all those it's people just, work for right. the company it's just yeah it's just kind of that's how it works over right. there right. and it's right? cheap it's, just, that's it's just how super cheap over here yeah right I, yeah. I pay five euros a month and it's unlimited data and voice so this is kind of an yeah, i get that for 500 <laughs> <laughs> This is analogous to getting rid of cash. It's the same argument yeah. in some ways. Yeah. I mean, cash or is dongles, physical. like USB dongles for software. Yeah. Floppy disks. Get rid of USB dongles for software. That's a terrible. So get rid of floppy yeah. disks. Get rid of cassettes. Get rid of all physical I don't, media. I don't, I don't think, think I that's have. a problem. I don't think I have any software that still uses a USB dongle. No, today. that's. I, I think I've thank God that's gone. DaVinci any... Resolve was using it for the high end up until like a year or that's two right. ago. That's right. Yep. Terrible. That's right. Terrible. Yeah. Terrible. Yeah. Okay, so there are problems with getting rid of the SIM tray, but here in the first world, unlike Canada. We're going to be most okay. People, <laughs> for most people, yeah. We're, We're going to be, be okay. okay. Yeah, no, but it is early. Like, but, like, what's interesting to me is, like, how, like, Samsung was really early to 5G, arguably before anybody could really use 5G. Google's really early to RCS. Apple was really early now to getting rid of the SIM card. And, like, is that annoying or does that force adoption to come even earlier? And there's probably arguments to be made both ways. But it is always going to hurt nerds. Like, nerds are, we are incredibly vocal, but we are not a very large percentage. And we are always going to be hurt first, hardest, and most by these changes. So this is... This is the contents of your uh, video uh, that you just put on YouTube. Yeah. This is to talk about this. And you are surprising me by coming down in favor of keeping the SIM card. So o- over the long arc of history, I think it should go away. Like, I think a lot of these things are, are like, can be way friendlier for mainstream people. I'm happy that Apple offers both internationally. I don't, th- I don't know that you need it to get rid of both in the U.S., but when a company like Apple does it, it does inarguably push those technologies through faster. Like when they got rid of the floppy drive, you know, it did push USB-C adaption, adoption. And when they got rid of hard drives, it did push, you know, 
passing the baton nicely to my co-host, it did push SSD adoption, you know, so uh, it's painful, but it's painful to those of us who are, grew up with the technology that we're losing. Life is pain. We built our lives around them. Life yeah. is pain. Technology makes it worse. <laughs> That's it right there in a nutshell. Uh, we're going to take a little break. Alan Malventano, Mr. Submariner, uh, Mr. Robert, Father Robert, Mr. You know, God's business, uh, Renee Ritchie, <laughs> the king of YouTube. All right. Uh, yeah, let's do a quick commercial and then back. I have so many more things I want to ask you guys. All right, got to move along. Our show today brought to you by userway.org. I'm sure you know this, but in the U.S., every website, thanks to the Americans with Disabilities Act, a great act, every website, there is no exception, has to be accessible by law. And I know when you hear this and you're the, you know, you have a website, you're going, oh, well, what is that going to cost me? How hard is that going to be? Well, I'm here to tell you, if you use userway.org, it's going to be easy. Easy peasy. Go to twit.tv. We have userway. Go to the lower right. You'll see the universal accessibility icon. Click that. You'll see a whole menu of things you can do on our site to make it more accessible. UserWay's incredible AI-powered solution tirelessly enforces those hundreds of WCAG guidelines, the Web Content Accessibility Guidelines. And you know what? It took one line of JavaScript on our site. It was so easy. In a matter of seconds, UserWay achieved more than an entire team of developers could do in months. I know it's overwhelming, the idea of making your website accessible, but UserWay solutions will make it simple, I promise. They'll make it easy, and it is cost-effective. Start by going to userway.org slash twit. Use that free scanning tool there. It'll tell you if your site's compliant or not, and it'll tell you where you need to work if you have to get some work done. It, it gives you an idea of where you stand. And by the way, don't be afraid if you have a giant site. If you have an enterprise-level website, you've got thousands of pages. UserWay also has a managed solution for the big sites. Their team will do it all for you. But from our site, for almost any you know kind of small to medium business, it's actually easy. And it costs so little, less than I spend monthly on web fonts. And that's because UserWay is using AI and machine learning solutions. They are number one right now, 61%. Uh, the leading accessibility solution on the market today, 61% of the market, 1 million websites, the big, some of the biggest sites in the world, Coca-Cola uses UserWay, Disney, eBay, FedEx. But now you're getting that best-in-class enterprise-level accessibility tool for you, your small and medium business. As little as $49 a month on the monthly plan, you could be ADA compliant. By the way, you should make money too because you'll reach more customers. People will love you for it. You'll build loyalty. And we're going to get you 30% off. There are a billion people in the world with disabilities. That's a 13% of the population that are potential customers that you could be losing if you're not compliant. So there's, there's you know, the stick of regulation, but there's just the carrot of let's get some, let's, let's be nice. Let's, let's get more people on our site. I, UserWay is the easiest way to do it. The AI and the image recognition stuff is so smart. It'll automatically generate image alt tags. It writes the descriptions for you, but it also makes it easy for you to add to those. You can remediate complex nav menus, the, just the nightmare for people with low vision. All your pop-ups will be accessible. It'll fix vague link violations, fixes broken links. 
So that's good for everybody, right? Ensures your website makes use of accessible colors without, you know, lo losing your brand identity. UserWay gives you a detailed report of all the violations fixed on your website. And it's easy to use. In fact, they've got plugins for WordPress and Shopify and Wix and Sitecore and SharePoint and more and more and more. Or just add one line of JavaScript and you'll meet your compliance goals, improve the experience for your user. Just ask Siri, well, the voice of Siri, Susan Bennett, what she thinks about UserWay. Hi, I'm Susan Bennett, the original voice of Siri. You won't hear me say something like this too often. I'm sorry, I don't understand what you're looking for. But every day... That's what the Internet is like for millions of people with disabilities. UserWay fixes all of that with just one line of code. UserWay can do it for you. Make any website fully accessible and legal, ADA compliant. With UserWay, everyone who visits your site can browse seamlessly. They can customize it to fit their needs. It's a great way to showcase your brand's commitment to millions of people with disabilities. UserWay.org slash twit. Again, 30% off UserWay's AI-powered accessibility solution. Book a short call. Talk to them. Find out what they can do for you. They have an accessibility guide. You can get that too. UserWay, making the Internet accessible for everyone. UserWay.org slash twit. UserWay.org slash twit. And we thank them so much for their support of This Week in Tech. And now, it's time to go to Dynamic Island. The plane, the plane. I actually, uh, I have to be honest. You know, the whole punch of the notch, I hate the notch on my MacBook because I use a program that, doesn't know about the notch. Apple's programs do, but my Emacs doesn't. So uh, there's this gap at the top of the page when I go full screen. It just drives me nuts. So, but, you know, you're going to have a camera. You want a thin screen. You want no bezels. You're going to have a, a something. Uh, the new iPhone Pros have a, instead of a notch, a cutout. Two, actually. There's one that's kind of lozenge-shaped and one that's a little dot. But you will never see those two because of dynamic island and i i i want to give i think this is actually pretty impressive i want to give apple credit for taking lemons and making lemonade out of it they said they they leaned into what is unfortunately something you have to do a cutout on the screen and i think they've made it better i i'm pretty impressed with the dynamic island what the animation is amazing like so like the name I, I, Whatever, like I'm sure they went through it's like just eight name. dozen names that came up with that. Yeah, there's no name that would have made me super wow. happy with that. And, and they probably didn't want another situation where like Matthew Panzerino calls it a notch and it sticks for right. five years or something. And you know, users um, but would the, call it that thingy on the top. You know, the, the little yeah, they would call movie. it a pill and it would sound like drugs and Apple would hate it every time they heard it. Like so, they had to get ahead of that real, By the real way, fast. We but the, found out that they trademarked it. Very clever. They trademarked yes. it in Jamaica. Yes, because. You can't see what trademarks are in effect in Jamaica without going to the office. But you know Kingston. Mark Gurman is moving to Jamaica now. Yeah, so I'm going to go to Kingston from now on and check. But the, the animations, Leo, these are the most playful, interesting, amusing, like, well, now you haven't enjoyable seen it. animations I've seen. You haven't Apple seen it in a person, time. have you? No. No, Neither have I've I. Seen it. I. But well, no, I've seen. Well, yeah, I've seen like Justine and Marquez's videos. Yeah, and, videos. And a lot of the Apple yeah, it looks stuff. good. But the like, if you go frame by frame through some of those, it is like it, it, this is classic Apple. This is like what I what, you, what we haven't seen from them in a while because some of the stuff has been a little janky over the last couple of years. Yeah, this is really nice. Yeah, I you know uh, Andy Anako's reaction is 
this is the first uh, you know user interface affordance in a long time that really makes a lot of sense. And by the way, no one knew it was it was not. Tr- I didn't see any rumors about it. Did you? No one knew that they were going to do this. Can I be honest with you, Leo? Now that I'm out and I'm, I can be based about this kind of stuff, yeah. Most most of the leaks are wrong. Like they don't really know what's happening. They get like little bits of fragmentary information weeks and months after it was at all relevant anymore. And it's just like if you go back and look, like there was this huge scandal. I, I barely, I, I, lo- I saw it, but I tried to stay away from it. Where they were yelling at each other and accusing each other of deleting their tweets to hide bad calls and stuff. It's like ah, no. Like I, I'm cares? glad that we live in an era now where Apple is like, here it is. Like it's fun. Go play with it. And like. You can follow the rumors if you want, but they're not going to be exact. Okay. Thank you. I agree. I For a long time, I actually yeah. banned rumors. But the problem when MacBreak Weekly was is we got closer and closer to an Apple event. There was less to talk about, less and less. So we finally I had a cave and start doing rumors. So the idea is this pill, uh, and, and by the way, there's a, a API so that developers of apps can use it as well, will respond to the conditions. So it'll show you what's going on. It's basically a permanent widget, but it changes in size and shape depending on what you're doing. I think that's brilliant. Robert, are you excited? Yeah. Do you like it? Do you hate it? It's a dynamic island boy. <laughs> island boy. I love the island. It's beautiful. <laughs> I, I mean, okay, look. It, I mean, it looks okay. It's fine. I mean, yes, it, it's going to take getting used to. And yes... Uh, I, I don't. It's it's not revolutionary, but I I don't understand why people are getting upset. I mean, I've seen Twitter threads where people were saying this is destroying the iPhone aesthetic. What? I'm thinking, what? Why? <laughs> you, you've I seen think, this before. You've seen the notch. You've I think it makes the iPhone a little friendly plastic pal you want to be with because yeah. it's changing in response to what you're doing and giving you just you know. The information you want. I think potentially this is super cool. We've never seen a widget like this. And it sure does solve the problem of, well, what are we going to do with this big fat hole on our screen? By the way, it's iPhone did Pro they, only. They didn't put it. In, the notch is still on, on the old iPhone. Did they need like, because that, that camera focuses now, correct? Yes. Like that's the camera that focuses. Yes. So is it is it that they had to lower it from the top edge because of that? Like is the oh. mechanism that goes... Because oh. I, I was just curious, like, what, well, it's just like they only they only gained like not that many lines worth of pixels above it. So it's like, right. why did you really need to shift it down? So I would imagine there maybe there's got to be some guts in there on the inside that, that that's sort of an interesting the question. They decided, right. uh, you know, it's a lozenge and a pill, and they decided to show the activation lights for your microphone and the camera on the screen, but it looks like it's part of this larger black area, but the screen is blackened, really. So they're hiding the fact that there's two holes. I don't know. We'll see when we get them whether you ever notice that there's two holes. Uh, we'll see how responsive it is. Um, you can see on the current ones in a certain light, like you can see the entire mechanism. I'm sure that's like the case. Yeah, yeah, in fact, you can even in these videos from Apple, you can see the camera uh, lens in the in the notch or the hole. I mean, within a day, there'll be a teardown, and we'll know exactly what's behind that. Right. You know, if the, yeah. maybe the antenna assembly is up there and they wanted to give it more space so and why not have RF interference. Would the iPhone nothing still have the notch? It also has the old A15 chip. Is Differentiation. The, it's just, it's just marketing. Screen, right? It's just marketing. Isn't it using they the old model screen? The products. Oh, is it? Maybe yeah. that's it. Maybe they couldn't I don't know. cut a hole in it. I don't know. 
there certainly is differentiation. All right. Well, I was excited about the dynamic island, but I guess I'm not. What did you get, Leo? No, no, it's great. What did you get? What did you order? So uh, Apple's ordering process at 5 a.m. Pacific time on Friday was the worst it's been in a a few years. Uh, I got up at 5. Mostly, you know, normally I wouldn't care. I go to the store and get it in October and November. But because I want to be able to talk about it early on on the radio show and on podcasts, I, I usually like to get it as soon as I can. So I had pre-saved the order, one for Lisa, one for me. 5 a.m., store still closed, took about six minutes. I'm really sleepy. I did not want to get up. I'm lying in bed looking at my phone on the side. Finally comes alive, 5.06. I think, you know, Apple's intent was, you just it says you've got a pre-order. So I hit that. All you have to do is confirm it and go. And it, 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 it did weird stuff. It didn't seem like it went through. I looked at my orders. It, it didn't show it. Then I tried my phone, and that really didn't go through. The whole thing collapsed. I just gave up. You should have done what I did, Leo. That is, forget that you were on West Coast time. Go during the East Coast time instead to be three hours late and then not get a phone until October. Is that what you, you're not going to get until October? Yeah, because oh. I was used to it being 8 o'clock, and I, I forgot that I was on West Coast time. Oh. So I looked at 8 o'clock, and I'd been up for three hours. I'm like, oh, October 15th, oh. yay. So, Isn't this yeah. just the pent-up pandemic demand? Oh, so you know, people wanted, I don't know. But they wanted something new. I understand. It's hard to design a site for peak use. I understand that. But this happens every year. You've got to – there's got to be a way. Can't you get, like, Cloudflare or somebody <laughs> yeah. to back up your cart? I don't know. I just see – anyway, I, I went back to sleep, got up in the around, around 8 in the morning, uh, Check to see if that first order went through. It had. They finally started to show up. So good. All right. I got Lisa's phone. She got 512 black. I'm looking around. I don't nice. want to get it in October. I want to get it sooner. So I found out. I finally messing with the configurator. If I get 256 gigs in gold, <laughs> which apparently, wow. apparently nobody so wanted not gold. A seller. Okay. Uh, no, I people who want gold want more storage. Oh, maybe that's it. That's right. Yeah. 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 Anyway, that was what I wanted was 256 because that's I haven't used, you know, anywhere near that on, on my 12. So I got 256 in gold and I could pick it up. I have to drive to Marin and pick it up at the Apple Store Marin at 3, 3.30 on Friday. But at least I'll have it. Uh, so it was not a good, it was honestly not a good experience. And I wonder how much that hurts Apple. I guess anybody who gets up at 5 a.m., it's midnight GMT, I realized. Oh, that's why they're doing it. It's midnight GMT. Anybody who gets up midnight UTC or whatever to, is serious enough that even if it's a problem, they're not going to stop. Yeah. It, right? They're, gonna, they're not going to go buy a Pixel because of it, right? Anyway. I buy that too. So that's why, <laughs> that's why the fall is fun. I, every year I buy the Nexus or Pixel and the iPhone. It's Fall is very expensive. Very expensive. Yeah. And then, uh, and then the AirPods and the Pixel Buds Pro. I and bought the, the AirPods and the Pixel Watch. Pro. And, I didn't yeah, want to yeah. buy those, and I got the Ultra Watch because uh, yep. because I'm a I'm an adventurer. I can't help it. I'm going up Kilimanjaro, and I will. And have, Sundar was wearing the Pixel Watch during Code Conference too, just teasing. Oh, us. was he? Oh, I, I'm actually probably yeah. get that, but I'll never wear it. Yeah, um, <laughs> not too risky, Leo. <laughs> it's oh my goodness I, I just you know what leo i thank you for the admission the honesty is refreshing. it hurts to be a sheeple <laughs> this, it really hurts it really hurts. you're gonna get it you're just you're not gonna you're an enthusiast 
your technology enthusiast, you're interested in new and wonderful. Leo, we live in an age of wonders. You know what? The real test will be when I retire and I don't have to review it or anything, will I get it? I bet I won't. I took a I I didn't buy one last year. I'm still on the twelve. So I, I, I buy every second year Apple watches for for a while now. But the thing that always makes me smile is when somebody retires from like an Apple or a Google or a Facebook, they go so hard the other directions. They're like, I am never going on like never mind an alpha. I'm never going on a beta again. I'm never going on a first release. I am gonna only buy Rev two hardware from now on. <laughs> and then they like they don't know how to buy or set up anything because it's always been provisioned by the company and they have no idea oh, how like AT and T or T Mobile works or and then they buy like the cheapest thing they can to keep it for four years. It's amazing. Now that, now that we've really wrapped this up, I feel like an idiot because there isn't that much new in the phone. I should probably be Thank you for spurring my... our economy. <laughs> but you can try out the SOS feature. I mean, that does sound kind of cool, right? 48 megapixels. No, no I can't can try out the SOS picture because then emergency services will come to me. <laughs> And I will say, no, I'm fine. The helicopter just, on Twit Studio. I was just testing it. To send the helicopter back. Fup, 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 I don't fup, need fup, the helicopter. Fup, fup, fup. And then they'll bill you. We're going to... Yeah, Lisa's exactly. Like, chest compressions. Chest compressions. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, right. uh, I got the AirPod Pro, but, too, just to see, is it twice as good in the noise cancellation? Actually, mostly I'm interested in the uh, LC3 codec. My hearing is way worse than the first one, so I won't even know. Like, is it really, or is this my hearing worse? I just can't hear a thing. Yeah. Uh, no colors. Even though the AirPods Max have colors, the AirPods Pro still don't. Oh, yeah. That's true. Yeah. I'll dip them. I'll make them gold like my oh, phone. yeah. You could do, like, <laughs> arts and crafts with, like, some markers. Yeah, and by the way, the Ultra, this $800 watch, you want colors? No. You get any color you want no. as long as it's titanium. Bl- yep, gray. But well, if you're going to get titanium, why would you paint it? Well, I guess you're right. Yeah. Can they I anodize mean, titanium? That's a thing. I don't think. I don't no, think it's you can PL, anodize it's, titanium. It's a, I don't think so. It's the no. same thing as, D, as it, it would be like getting PBL, painted PLC carbon fiber. Why would you do that? Right. You want to see yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I think now that, I want a carbon think... fiber watch. <laughs> <laughs> Someone I, will make a, a wrap for it. I'm sure. Uh, iOS 16 oh, nice. is coming. You can coming. wrap it, Leo. Oh, I'll wrap it. That's yeah, good. Wrap it. Yeah, that's good. Do you wrap your cars, Alan? No. You seem like the type that you might. will now. I I I will occasionally plasti dip out some chrome or something. Yeah, exactly. Other than that, it seems like you yeah. might be the kind of guy that does that. I I don't yeah. know why. I see you driving a Challenger around that's been dipped and is matte black. No, man. We we talked about this earlier. I'm driving a Tesla around. That's right. Two of them. Oh, well, Marquez doesn't he? Marquez, Matt Black, his Tesla. Yeah, I'm sure he does. Yeah, that's a, that's yeah. that's a wrap on his. I think right. He gets the yeah. paint protection film or yeah, whatever. I feel like I know I'm going to get on there and I'm going to be in a grocery store parking lot. Somebody's going to run a cart into me and it's going to peel. It's going to have like a weird, you know, that plastic peel thing. Does that? See, I'm a fan of like the Star Wars used technology look. That's why like people complain about their. I, I just let the stuff get beaten up, and it's great. It looks like the Millennium Falcon. I can, could not be happier. Yeah. So, so Leo, you're you're half right. Like, I probably would be a person that does some sort of like you know, like I want to do the paint protection film thing on the car, not necessarily a wrap to change the color or go that crazy, but uh, but then inevitably I get the car, it gets a few of the early you know dinged up, whatever happens to the front of it just from you know, highway or rock chip or something. And then I'm like, oh, great. Now it's not perfect. Well, now I, why bother with the 
you know, doing the yeah, exactly. <laughs> doing the paint protection. I anything, want a car right? that like, I can ding up and not feel bad about. Yeah, I'm a always car happy that's when the Kessel Run. You in, get that in, first under ding. ten parsecs. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Monday <laughs> tomorrow, iOS 16 comes out. You know, notable mostly in my opinion because it will be the first implementation of pass keys. So this is the yeah. new passwordless future. Now, mm-hmm. pointless to have pass keys until a website supports it, but I guess. It's one of those chicken and egg things. Now that the iPhone has pass keys, maybe we'll see some websites. Do you think this year we'll see some pass keyed enabled websites? Yeah, for sure. It takes a big company doing it to get it to catch yeah. on, right? Like we, we know poor Steve Gibson's been trying to do his squirrel thing. Yeah, squirrel would have been forever. better, but you know. So right. Google says they're going to put it in tr- uh, testing in beta versions at the later this year, Microsoft says they're going to do it next year. So those are the big three. Apple's a little ahead of the bunch, though. Um, yeah. Well, I hope I hope I, I it'll be it'll be like the first time I used an Apple Watch to buy something. The first time I get to use uh, passkeys that will be coming to your iOS uh, 16. Apple was fast to implement it, actually. Um. And then all that eSIM stuff comes in there too. So if you wanted to convert your physical SIM into an eSIM, like if you wanted to add more hurt <laughs> uh, unnecessarily. <laughs> so you mean if you have a phone that still has SIMs, because you have iOS 16, you can make it an eSIM somehow. Right. Yeah. Like, like this, is, this is literally what I'm trying to figure out for that whole phone hand-me-down thing, right? Do I need to take the older phone that doesn't? You know, do I need to convert that SIM to the eSIM and then swap that with the iPhone 14 so when you, that it's an so eSIM? The, uh, unless you're sitting <laughs> next to the person you're giving it to, you're probably going to just deactivate it and let it be up to them, right? Or no? I, My I guess is you know, we're going to be running security as the update. Oh. We're, yeah. we're going to have a couple of verification issues, like uh, what Jason Howell did a few years back when he was swapping Remember out that? an Android device, <laughs> and uh, he his authentication was his Google Voice number, but his Google Voice number was tied to his Google right. account, right. so uh-huh. he couldn't authenticate his. Go- you know, if you're if you're tying together your your passkey and your eSIM and all of your other information, at some point, I'm thinking you're going to lock yourself out of a verification step. Yeah. So just be careful. That happens when I'm on the plane all the time. Like some account goes, "Oh, your location is different. We're sending you an right. SMS. Like, please don't send me SMSs." But I'm also on a plane, and then you can't get into anything. Actually, Rod Pyle what was about complaining widgets, about Leo? that. Rod was a what's that widgets? Oh, you like the new widgets? I can't. I don't know if you can see them, but there's widgets on the lock screen and yeah. just the the new look and everything. I think it's not. It's fun. Hmm. It'd be nice if your little Nemo were on a dynamic island. It would. Oh, they would have so much fun. They would be flipping and jumping over it, <laughs> and then Dory would forget <laughs> who they were. Fish. Yeah. Is yeah. this new? My phone says, "Get ready for your new iPhone." I don't even know how they knew that. Get ready for your new. Oh, iPhone. it's because yeah. it's tied to your account. Oh yeah, yeah. That's right. they know. Yeah. They know. I, I wait. When your new phone comes, it's just gonna. It's automatically gonna have your account. It right. They they preset all that. No, will it? No, no. never has in the no, past. I don't believe so. You gotta log in. You gotta remember your password. I think Amazon does that, but I don't think Apple's Amazon. Does Amazon. That. Yeah. yeah, Amazon's actually very good at that. Although I, like I am that. kind of freaked yeah. out about that sometimes because if my if a new device gets intercepted in transit, it's you can already set up with it. Or if you, you gift it, it's been inconvenient it. for people who've been gifting them. <laughs> I gave my mom the new Kindle Oasis, yeah. and uh, there's a little checkbox, which I never saw before, but I was curious, that says, do not attach my account. You check that box, and you can send it as a gift, and it's not. 
It's got yeah. no account. But then I had a thought, oh, this is going to be fun. I'm going to have to call my 90-year-old mom and explain how to, how to log into Amazon on her Kindle. But beautiful. It opens up, and it says, now open the Kindle app on your old Kindle or your iPhone. And it did, and it That's just did, it all, all transferred over. It was, it was the easiest thing. It was awesome. So, That's yeah, great. Amazon does a good job of that. That was impressive. Yeah. Uh, all right. Google is going to have an event October 6th. So you're getting the Pixel 7, the Pixel Watch, the Pixel yep. Buds. You're doing the, the whole... I've done that every year since the uh, Nexus, well, the first one, Nexus 1. Really? I didn't yeah, know this. I, I, you I, couldn't admit it when you were on Mac Break Weekly? You couldn't tell? No, I did. Oh, okay. I always, I always talked about it. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. Good for you. Yeah, I always have a Pixel. I don't know if I want to get the new one. I'm very happy with the Pixel 6. Uh, what, do you, what, do you, what is going what is to change with this thing? Be better. Man, that's what the, that's what the story is of every phone. Be now. Better. It's, like, it's, it's better. It's better. I like Don't it. Ask. Like honestly, I like it because like every Pixel so far has been almost a repudiation of the previous generation Pixel. Like it's very hysterical. different. Um, and and to me that makes it harder because you're almost starting from scratch every year. And this year it looks like they're going to like use the Pixel Six as a foundation and just accelerate forward on the Seven. That's the strategy Apple's been using and Samsung's been using for years. And I think it's it's really smart because it's it's like a, an efficient use of everybody's time and it ends up giving you a really stable solid product i think that's gonna be great i am the pixel watch actually looks pretty it's round it's uh it looks pretty but we'll see uh, yeah. now that i have a four pound watch on this arm i don't know if i want another watch on the, on the other arm can <laughs> i like take, wonder woman bracers <laughs> can i take the pixel yeah. watch up to kilimanjaro with me or is it just gonna go <laughs> you you go ahead leave me here um they're also uh, going to do this at 7 in the morning our time. So I'm making Jason Howell get up to do this one, 10 a.m. Eastern. And they're doing it out of the Google Happy Store birthday, in Manhattan. Yeah, or Brooklyn. Happy birthday, by the way. Jason Howell, our producer, host of All About Android and Tech News Weekly, Man About Town, uh, is uh, is f- 50 years old today. I don't know. 76 years young. He is such. He looks, he doesn't look a day... Day over, he says he's forty-seven. He's constant as a northern star. I am surprised. I thought he was younger than that, to be honest with you. So, uh, you look great, Jason. Happy birthday! It's nice of you to work uh, while you're celebrating your birthday. I appreciate that. So, actually, Jason is younger than I am. I believe. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Okay, know, by a couple of years. All right. Hmm. Uh, Google's going to do a live event too. They're going to stream it, but there'll be an in-person event in Brooklyn. Apple did that. They went to the Steve Jobs Theater, did not observe a lot of masks in evidence. In fact, I'm pretty sure the only masks worn were by Micah Sargent and Jason Snell. (laughs) I think I guilted them into it. So uh, I guess COVID's over. Google and Apple are saying it's over. (sighs) I mean, they're I mean, probably doing look, testing I, before the thing, right? You know. Yeah, they require I'm you sure test some, you, the day before yeah. you. Like Apple did the day before you go. Um, right. But <laughs> Apple really, it was uh, it was an honor system because you could just send them a picture of your plastic stick and say, "See, <laughs> see I'm Come negative. On. See." So I don't know about you, but I have at least a dozen negative sticks just hanging around waiting. Ready, ready to go. Just, just in case. Just in case. Just in case. I took a little magic marker and uh, darkened the uh, the test line <laughs> just so you. It's very clear that I am not sick. 
I have to do these transatlantic flights where there is no testing requirement. Not anymore. No masking requirement. Nope. And so you're sitting in a tube for 14 Scares hours. The hell out like, of me. Well, oh, Air great. Canada still has mask requirement. I, I, on both my flights this week, I had to wear, well, I didn't, I would have worn it anyway, but everyone had to wear a mask and they even give out masks because a lot of people aren't aware of that, especially when you're coming from America to Canada. They're like, what are you doing? Put on your mask. Canada is still very strict. They got rid of the like the COVID app that you used to have to fill out upon reentry, and like yeah. the big they, they used to have like testing that facilities so at the airport. Up. That was so That never worked properly. Uh, yeah. Seriously, we we've we've had so many different changes in the paperwork that we had to fill in coming back and forth across the pond, and sometimes it was just like, wait a minute, I didn't I just fill this out for the country I just left? So so that part I do I do like it's it's yeah. much better. I uh, perfectly happy to wear a mask, but since no one else is, uh, I just you know I'm still wearing mine. Yeah, I still wear mine. Yeah, we wear we wear it around the studio. Benito's wearing one now, right? Yeah, uh, I took mine off so I could speak, but I'll put it on again before I leave the studio. And, uh, I just you know it's it's not hard. It's better to err on the side of caution. I just I think it's interesting. Apple also asked its employees to come back to work on Tuesday. Um, and much to the was that good timing? Like yeah. come back to work the same day we're having a huge event. Yeah. Like, maybe wait till the next day. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> hmm. uh, and Apple, the way Apple's going to do it is, uh, you will have to work on campus three days a week, Tuesday, Thursday, and a day to be named later. Your maybe your boss can name the third day. And if your boss says anything but Wednesday, he's a dick. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, that's fair yeah right i mean that's not yeah that's, yeah it's got to be wednesday you're there on tuesday and thursday make it wednesday boss uh all right we're gonna uh, take another break talk twitter when we get back maybe i shouldn't tell people that no we're not going to talk twitter we'll talk about scary clowns when we come back that's better than twitter and uh, alan malventano is here submariner uh what was your highest security clearance uh tssci what's that mean you can Ooh. you can look at a wow sc document uh the special compartmented information <gasps> yeah so it's so yeah. usually there's there's not usually just like a regular top secret like usually the things that are top secret are compartmented that's the idea right it's yeah. like okay here's this here's this group all these things are top secret but they're all categorized in various things, and so like you don't just. It's get need a, to know. know. It's need to know. It's I, it's it's a lev- it's a form of need to know, right? It's, yeah. it's there's no such thing as really just oh you just get to look at everything. No, it's like okay you're working on this project, you get this particular SCI grade you know thing where you're allowed to go and look at that stuff just that pertains to what you're doing. I saw so like the Apple Design Lab similar, lower higher. I mean it. I would imagine it's probably. I mean, it's, it's any it's any sort of. Hey, you're trying to keep various things secret, yeah. and you know, there's really no such thing as just everybody gets to look at everything, right? Like that no, applies in a not. lot of places. Yes. Yeah. Even yeah. here, and there's stuff there I know that Benito doesn't know. Yeah. There, there, there are lower ones that are like more general. Right. Right. But TS, uh, SCI is the top, right? That's the. Yeah, that's the top. I remember seeing John Brennan, the former CIA director, saying there's TS SCI documents I couldn't see, even as director of CIA, because it's need to know. That makes sense. Anyway, uh, everything that we say here, Alan Malventano is allowed to know. 
What are the what were the aliens? What were they rated? Was that neat? Was that neat to know? Was did that you hot? take any documents they get, they get home? The, they get all the clearances. Did yeah. you take a box of documents home with you? That's all I care. Were there flying saucers not. in your garage? <laughs> and were Do you, you have any medals not known to Earth? by the Queen? I just want to know. Oh yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> Do Queen on which ad, planet, Leo? Leo? <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, the Queen of Mars, Father Robert Balasser. Uh, digital Jesuit, our man in the I, Vatican. I also have an SCI clearance, but it's just information that no one cares about. Does it, I bet the Vatican has uh, some sort of top secret thing, right? Designation, yes? Or no? He can't talk about it. If he knew, he wouldn't know. I mean, there's one about 40 feet away that way. What? What is it? Our, our archives. Oh, nobody's allowed in? No, just the certain parts, yes, then no. So there's stuff yes. in the Jesuit archives that even you couldn't go in and, and say, hey, can I borrow that? I want to take that home. That's correct. Okay. That is correct. It's probably yes. too okay. fragile. Well, that would, I'm sure. Yeah, that too, yes. Yeah. A lot of the documents are fragile, but also uh, there are certain levels. We We don't call it declassification, but there's information that, the church has to decide you can make this available, this available, this available. Uh, and it generally follows a regular schedule, but it, it, as a result, it means there's information there that we, the public cannot see. Is there and it's a not anything to the week that you've never told us about? Like, are you hiding an eighth <laughs> Is there day of a week or something? <laughs> <laughs> You're secretly holding on to the eighth day. That's yeah. right. That's uh-huh. right. Yeah. On the eighth day, but now that you know that, he had a party. <laughs> Yeah. Listen, no, there's yeah, a few done. extra is, books of the Bible nobody is knows some about. Of it, <laughs> is some of it, so let me, this is a weird question, and again, you can laugh at me. Is some of it not available to the public because it's evil? No. No. Well, there's not like some no. witchcraft manual that they feel like. No. It's not. We know it's. BS, but we wouldn't want no, people Wanda to destroy that in the Doctor Strange movie, Leo. That's what I thought, but I was just wanted to <laughs> yeah. make sure that the Jesuits didn't have a copy. There, there's no witchcraft manuals, but th- there would be um, information about investigations on stuff like that. Oh, interesting. Oh, yeah. Way, way back. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's the thing. Probably. I mean, that's must actually go back a thousand years, right? There's ancient. <laughs> Do historians occasionally say, can, I, can we look at this stuff? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. That's that's why we built the archives. There's actually places where you can go in and you can you can't just run rummage through the stacks, but you have to ask, I'm looking for something specific, and then the people in the archives can actually find what you're looking for and they'll bring it out to you. I love that. I think that's great. Yeah. But it, it is SCI, so you can only look at it in there. <laughs> you have to be in there. And they do not like let you take it out of the room. Secret compartment in the Vatican. <laughs> A skiff is uh, shielded, right, from even electromagnetic uh, uh, espionage. Yes, eavesdropping. skiffs will usually have uh, like chicken wire in the walls. Wow, literally. Wow. And not only that, but if it's if it's like a building that had like a drop ceiling or you know the little uh-huh. panels you can remove in the ceiling, yeah, like sealed. There's there's literally the wall continues. Yeah, like it's you it's don't all, want that. <laughs> there's no there's no little crawling you know, over. It's solid. Yeah. 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 Yeah, there's no crawling around. You those Mission to Impossible movies were fake. Yeah, so is it is it Tempest? Is that what they call it? The Tempest certified stuff. That's the Tempest was the technology that let you 
listen through walls or read like read screens through walls and stuff like that. Oh, that was like a project, wasn't it? Yeah. Tempest. Zoom enhance. Yeah. Zoom enhance. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I want. That's what CSI promised me. Zoom enhance. That's and the next iPhone. license plate from the space. No, it's every Mission Impossible. Like Tom Cruise would be in the ceiling, and now I know that's impossible. Like, yeah, you can't, can't, can't do it. It's can't been lied to. Have, you, have yeah. you guys? Have you guys messed with some of the the Topaz Labs tools though? They're like, pretty yes. amazing. Some of that stuff. Yeah. Is surprisingly good. Yeah, <laughs> it's not to the sci-fi level yet, but yeah. holy crap! It's like, where did it? Where'd that detail yeah. come well, from? Well, you've seen now with mm-hmm. these artificial intelligence painting programs, like Dolly can do. Dolly Two has added out painting, where they take the. In fact, if you go to the Dolly Two website, you can see this: the girl yeah, with yeah. the pearl earring, and they say, "Well, what what, what do the rest of the room look like?" <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and they, Leo, they, we don't. We don't even know if Alex Lindsay is real anymore. He might have programmed himself a, a year ago. ago. Like yeah. We might be having a VTuber Alex Lindsay for the last year. Yeah, long ago he did that. Yeah, <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't too long ago we were all amazed by the content aware filter or content aware. I know. Film yes, on, uh, I know. On Photoshop, right? And then they added and it to now Premiere. It's like totally, and they, that blew mind. But don't yeah. you want to live yeah. in a world of wonders like where, uh, like the next iPhone thing that we? What we really want is, oh, how did they do that? How can they do that? That's why I think people are so interested in AR Well, the and pixel VR. eraser was like that. Like, yeah. you take a picture of the beach, you just paint people out of existence, and then they actually disappear. It's, it's, it's yeah, and for, and for years, they actually yeah. disappeared, like Thanos. For, <laughs> yeah. for, for years, they talked about it. They only put it in the phone a couple of years after they announced yeah. it. Yeah. Our show today brought to you by Colide. I like this sponsor because I like the idea of treating users like partners not enemies you know if you're you know if you're in uh, trying to achieve security in your company uh you yeah you know, like you know you want to have keep the bad guys out and the good guys in whether for a third party audit or your own compliance standards in the past the conventional wisdom is to basically treat each device like fort knox right you glue up the usb ports you, you make sure people don't bring their own phones, their own laptops into the enterprise. You use old school device management tools, MDMs, to force, you know, basically employees to give up their freedom, to give up their performance, to give up their privacy. The problem is what happens then? Employees aren't stupid. They start using their own laptops or their own phones. And now you've got a world of hurt. Collide is a different idea. It's an endpoint security solution that uses the most powerful untapped resource in IT, your end users. They're not the enemy. They're your allies. How does it work? Well, you got to use Slack. If you're a company that uses Slack like ours does, many do. Uh, Instead of, you know, forcing changes on users, locking them down, Collide sends them DMs on Slack, security recommendations. And the Collide agent is always looking for things. You know, your passwords are in the clear in a download folder, for instance. Or, you know, you left your private key, you know, out unlocked and available. So Collide finds that and it will automatically then notify your team about the insecurity, explain why it's a problem, and even better, give them step-by-step instructions on how to solve the problem. They are now enlisted as allies. They know how to solve it. They know why they're solving it. And suddenly, it's not an adversarial relationship. By reaching out to employees via a friendly Slack DM, educating them about company policies, Collide can help you build a culture in which everyone contributes to security because everyone understands how and why to do it. 
you can also justify it very nicely for IT admins. Collide provides a single dashboard that lets you monitor the security of your entire fleet, whether they're running on Mac, Windows, or Linux. Yeah, it works on all three. You can see at a glance which employees, for instance, have their disks encrypted or their, their updates on their operating system or their, or their browser, which password manager is installed. Is any password manager installed? It makes it easy to prove compliance to your auditors, to your customers, and leadership. So that's Collide, K-O-L-I-D-E, user-centered, cross-platform endpoint security for teams that slack. You can meet your compliance goals by putting users first. It's true. It works. K-O-L-I-D-E, collide.com slash twit to find out how. Follow the link. They'll hook you up with a goodie bag, including a T-shirt just for activating a free trial. Actually, the T-shirts are really nice. Uh, I have a bunch of Collide stuff. I put the stickers on my laptop. K-O-L. I-D-E, collide.com slash twit. We thank Collide so much for supporting this week in tech. So Twitter is still in the news. Um, let's just give you a quick rundown. Of course, remember Peter Zatko, the former Mudge, the former security director. Did you know Mudge? Had you run into him at DEF CON or Black Hat, uh, Father Robert? Everyone knows Mudge. Yeah. Well known. He worked for the DOD. He uh, worked for Google. He was a very, you know, when when Twitter hired him, I was impressed. They hired him in the uh, aftermath of that, horror, you know, where, remember that Barack Obama and Elon Musk and everybody were tweeting, hey, I really, uh, I really appreciate what you've done for me. So just send me some Bitcoin. I'll send it back doubled. Okay. <laughs> remember that? And uh, I mean, it was yeah. horrific. It was obviously somebody had access to a, 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 a privileged account within Twitter mm -hmm. that let you tweet on anybody's behalf because the same tweet went out on dozens of high-profile accounts. So that immediately showed that Twitter had a problem. They hired Mudge to come in and fix it. And then they fired Mudge after Elon's uh, offer in January. I think they got rid of Mudge. Uh, they didn't say why they'd fired him, although later Parag Agrawal, the current CEO of Twitter, said we fired him because he was no good. <laughs> I know He was a lazy slob. I mean, he said all sorts of mad things about him. Uh, now they're saying in the so, – so, of course, Elon Musk has subpoenaed Mudge. He says this is evidence that, you know, Twitter cares not about the bots. And, and here this whistleblower is telling us that. Meanwhile, Twitter's saying, look, Mudge never, never flagged spam. He never, he never, we hired him to fix the things that he's complaining about. How could he complain about it? This is what he was brought in to fix. It ain't our fault. And finally, the latest is the payout. The apparently, Twitter paid Mudge $7 million. Now Elon says, oh, oh, you did, did you? Oh, well, then that means I'm out of the deal because that's what we call an MAE, a material uh, adverse event. And that lets me off the hook. It's, Elon's been trying to, he keeps trying to find a way to get out of this. Clearly, he does not want to yeah. spend $44 billion. Uh, And I think he's honestly, I think at this point, he's just grasping at any straw he can. So... Um, do you think you could sell him Twit instead? Like, you think he noticed the difference? Forty-four <laughs> billion. That's all it would take, Elon. Actually, you know that's what? That's a good retirement, Leo. I'll give him a deal. Forty-three. Yeah. You're shorter. 
43. Exactly. Bills. Well, your name is shorter, so, yeah, two, you know. Yeah. 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 Fewer letters. You can do anything you want. You could chase the spammers out. You can. You know what? You can bring Donald Trump in and give him a show. Whatever you want. Forty-three billion. That's it. You know, we've got Elon's communications back into early May, where he was already looking for a way out of the deal. He's, he had he sent almost a letter to immediate. His, he sent a letter to his banker. Yeah. Before the Putin speech back way back in what was that May. Mm -hmm. uh, he said, maybe we should slow down this acquisition uh, in case we're heading to World War Three. Oh, yeah, sure. That's what's that. Yeah. You wouldn't want to buy Twitter if we're headed to World War Three. He had immediate, immediate buyer's remorse. Instant. And this predates all of his complaints about bots or spam or mudge. So it's, I mean, anyone who's observing this objectively knows, oh, this was a man who regretted what he did who regretted that he had already signed the contracts for the deal. He's squirming. He's just looking for a way to get out. He's, yeah, he's squirming. squirming. Which is, that's his right. He can do that. But by the same token, this is the conversation we had earlier about the, the Musk superfans. They make it so difficult to have an intelligent, civil conversation about his, his responsibilities. I mean, you signed a contract without actually going and doing your due diligence. You should not be rewarded for that. Yeah. People should not think that you are a smart businessman for doing that. And yeah, you should have to pay the penalty for that. So uh, the, the trial is next month. Uh, we, we've been covering it. I'm kind of less and less yeah. <laughs> motivated to talk about it. It's pretty clear at this point what happened. Um, Elon, I think, do you think at any point he genuinely wanted to buy Twitter or was First five minutes. I, yeah, for five. It was yeah. very brief. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think when he was getting all the accolades about how he was going to free Twitter, yeah, he thought it was a great idea. And then someone actually said, hey, you know you like way overpaid for that thing, right? Yeah. And then he started actually doing the numbers and realizing I will never, ever make this back. Yeah. There's not a yep. chance that Twitter will ever make this in revenue. Hmm. All right. Yep. This all seems to be of a piece. Elizabeth Holmes, also squirming, as you may oh, remember, boy. she found guilty uh, of uh, defrauding investors with the Theranos scam. Um, now, the first they asked the judge, oh, just throw it out. The judge said no. No, I, I don't <laughs> think so. Uh, we're getting close to sentencing's coming up. Uh, now, now she says uh, there's newly discovered evidence that the former, uh, the former um, lab director at Theranos regrets his testimony. He testified against her at the court. Adam Rosendorf regrets, regrets his testimony. Um, he testified for several days in the, in the trial. You may remember if you've been following this. Emphasized the pressure Theranos employees were under to demonstrate the faulty technology actually worked, even though it didn't. Uh, on the witness stand, he said, I felt that it was a question on my integrity as a physician not to remain there and to continue to bolster results I essentially didn't have faith in, et cetera, et cetera. Now her attorneys are claiming that Rosendorf called Elizabeth Holmes on August 8th, left a voicemail in a desperate bid, say the lawyers, to communicate he felt he had done something wrong, apparently in connection with Ms. Holmes' trial. So they're saying, you see... You see, Judge, he regretted it. Now you should too. 
They want a retrial under Rule 33. Um, we'll see. I think this is no. just more squirming. I, I don't yeah. think any amount of regret or retrials is going to negate the fraud. No. That occurred. No. Yeah, exactly. And the statements that this employee made don't touch on the fraud. He basically said he felt that they weren't interested in solving the problems. That's not the yep. fraud. The fraud is that they were selling a product they knew that did not work. So right. his statements don't affect that at all. They might affect the degree to which someone will, would say that they were continuing and perpetuating the fraud, but that's not what she was convicted on. Her boyfriend, Sunny Balwani, also convicted. <clears throat> He's not squirming his heart, apparently. Sentencing for Elizabeth Holmes, uh, which was uh, scheduled for later this month, it was delayed till October 17th. Uh, because they want to see how it goes with Elon and Twitter, I guess. I don't know. October 17th. <laughs> that's the same day uh, as the Elon trial begins. Uh, I mean, she could get 20 years. I don't... I doubt she will. Well, I mean, she defrauded a lot of very rich people. Yeah. And yep. that, yeah, that's a good point. Out of a lot of money. Out of a lot yeah, of money. Exactly. A lot of money. Yeah, very I mean, good. if you're going to cheat people, make sure that they're poor and they don't have any legal recourse. Right. You don't cheat billionaires. Only cheap poor They'll people. They'll get you. Only cheap poor exactly. people. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so a lot of, lot of um, cryptocurrency news. Uh, I think a lot of cryptocurrency uh, experts would very much like it. If the SEC would finally decide, is this a security? Uh, are there going to be regulations? The latest is the Treasury is about to recommend issuing a digital dollar, but only if it's in the national interest. Well, that's good. You wouldn't want to do it if it's you not. Ever, have you ever seen the YouTube channel CoffeeZilla, Leo? No. He's great. Oh, it, he breaks down. Yeah, he breaks down crypto schemes and suits and uh, just all the time it is it is incredibly entertaining to watch and maddening at the same time mm -hmm. uh, it's pretty non-stop isn't it yes yeah. mm. i mean it's it's kind of the same thing as the whole sim card thing we we're talking about earlier right like wouldn't it be nice if uh you just didn't have to deal with physical money anymore although we kind of already I feel like yeah, I'm not sure part. what a digital dollar means. Um, are they, they, I think they mean blockchain secured ledger wise, as opposed to right just, some uh, sort of just, stable just, coin. Yeah, type. like I mean, I mean, t today the fact that your money is in the bank is just a number in, in their database versus yeah. an actual you know ah. So really, they're saying decentralized ledger more than uh, digital. I, I think that's I think that's what they mean by like a digital dollar okay. in that context. Um, yeah, that's in, that's interesting. It, uh, the but I mean that that doesn't really replace the cryptocurrency function as a speculative right. financial tool. That's that's the right. power of crypto. That's why people get so enamored because since it's not really tied to traditional banking, it can go as high or as low as people are willing to, to make it. It is a digital junk bond. So issuing a digital dollar doesn't really fix that problem or that that uh, advantage if that's how you're looking at it. Right, so, yeah, that's just it's just it's just a different form of a dollar in that context. But what, right? well, what are they trying to you know. fix? Like, if they're trying to fix getting I'm more sure. of, like getting more money from us, then maybe it's a solution that they really want because they've managed to do that over the last five decades amazingly well. So this comes so if, from our money. this comes out of President Biden's executive order last March mm -hmm. 
that said, give, give me some crypto recommendations. They, to, this went to multiple departments. Uh, the Treasury is, this is, the Treasury's document is not out yet, but they expected to say, uh, yeah, a digital dollar would work if it's in the national interest. It's like, it's like that's, a, that's a non-recommendation. This fixes one specific thing that people wanted to use crypto for, and that was the ability to transfer amount around finances, resources very quickly and without regulation. The digital dollar gives them the ability to do that without having to use a super speculative tool where I might buy X amount of Bitcoin. And by the time I've transferred it, it has risen or dropped 20 percent in value. A digital dollar, because it is backed by the Fed, is more like a stable coin. So it yeah. it's going to maintain its value. It's pegged to the dollar. So it's just a non-physical dollar, which means you can count on all the traditional banking systems being able to calculate exactly how much it's going to cost to move it from point A to point B. But again, that does not fulfill any of the financial speculative tool features of cryptocurrency. And wouldn't it be regulated at that point as well? Absolutely, and it 100%. should be. I think it yeah. should be regulated as a security. I mean, there have been there have been attempts uh, to do a dollar tied crypto for that same you know first part of what what Padre was just saying there, right? Like uh, right. somebody wants a thing that's not going to drastically rise or fall, you know, within the next five minutes before you go and actually use that that currency for something you wanted to do, uh, you know, that mm-hmm. would have been akin to using. A U.S. dollar for it, right? I mean, there is literally a thing called Tether, like USDT is the yeah, correct. You know, is correct. the code for it, right? And the intent there was for it to be a dollar tied thing, but then there's this constant. You're just barraged with, well, we don't. It's not actually tied to the dollar, and there's all this sort of. This it, it like shenanigans. We're going on. Yeah, yeah. It becomes speculative even when it wasn't supposed to be speculative. Right. Supposed so to like, be stable. Yeah. Right. So so it might it might actually be handy. If you had, you know, the government behind the dollar said, okay, fine, let's let's dispel with all of that speculation piece of if somebody wants a cryptocurrency that is actually tied to the dollar, the U.S. government would be the people to do that, right? Because the the idea really is we can, yeah, we could do this, and maybe their hope is, and that would get rid of all the others, maybe like Uh, I don't know, (laughs) it would get rid of the stable coins. So, right. so the stable yes. coins, which the other cryptos use that peg themselves to the dollar, would become redundant if the right. U.S. was actually creating a, a digital currency. Yeah, yeah. Correct. Yes. It would be the dollar. Yeah. And, and uh, government banks all over the world have been looking at the idea of issuing uh, digital coins, stable coins. They always would be tied mm-hmm. some sort of stable currency. Yeah. If you, I mean, it, it does make sense. Right. Yeah. I mean, in, in the context of, from, you know, if from, Biden asked for recommendations and that was one of them, I mean, I can see so, you know, somebody. Okay. But making for a normal person like me, does this change anything? I mean, uh, there'd be there'd be a few less uh, things that you thought would have been a stable coin that you might yeah, have. But I don't think about I spend zero time. Thinking, right, thinking then, about stable coins. Yeah, <laughs> right. It's I think I it's mean, just potentially more like when I'm walking down, you know, Petaluma Boulevard down Main Street. <laughs> uh, would I be jingling some digital coin in my pocket? No, because it's digital. Your digital wallet. Would. I pay for everything with my watch and phone. I haven't. It's. I don't it's just a dollar. Cash. It's, it's just, just a dollar. dollar. It's already your digital yeah. dollar. It's already digital, isn't it? That's what. That's what's yeah. confusing to me. Yeah, it's just there would be a distributed ledger. Is that the idea? Watch Coffeezilla, Leo. You'll really enjoy it. <laughs> By the way, if you search, if you search on Google for Ethereum merge, 
Oh, yeah. Google, That's a thing. Google has now put a countdown up. Three days, two hours, Ooh. 37 minutes. Yep. We're, we're counting down to the Ethereum merge. This is Ethereum attempting to move from proof of work to proof of stake, a much lower uh, uh, use of energy to do yep. its uh, calculations. Oh, and by much lower, like... I'm not sure if 99 happens. It's yeah, it's like a ridiculous small yeah. fraction yeah. Of, of the yeah. As far as I could tell, I'm no expert on this. It's the way a proof of work is uh, operates now is is that all the miners get to get a chance to try to solve this problem. The first yep. one who who does gets the fee gets the for reward. the transaction, gets the reward. So that's why yep. miners, that's what's going on. That's why miners mine. Yeah. Miners. All those other calculations are wasted energy. Yeah. That's the problem. Miners, yeah. uh, you know, I think sometimes we think miners are mining for coin. They're not mining to create new coin. I mean, some might be. Mostly miners, when I guess maybe they're doing that too, but mostly what they're trying to do is 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 uh, is put transactions into the into the ledger Correct. into the blockchain, and and the, a winning miner gets to do that and make some money. So that's what the whole mining thing is. Yeah, but all the other calculations wasted. So proof of stake roughly works the same way, except instead of saying here's the problem, anybody work on it, they choose one person to work on it. That person, and they have some sort of lottery system, I guess, to choose it. That person solves the problem, makes the money. It yeah. considerably reduces the amount of energy. It's distributed among the stakeholders right. versus among the workers. Perfect. Just to put it simply, right? Does it so solve more, more... any of the other problems of cryptocurrency? It actually adds uh, what... a problem. Yeah. Uh, because proof of stake is actually easier to fake than proof of work. Uh, so there was already a, an attack on a very, a very, I can't remember what was the name of the the. The, the crypto, that, that blockchain's already gone. Um, someone borrowed enough of the cryptocurrency to have 51%. Oh, the 51% attack, yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And and then they basically rewrote the ledger to say, well, it's all coming to it's me. It's all mine now, baby. Yeah. Right. So th that's, I mean, that's that that only happened because that particular cryptocurrency was super young and there, was, there wasn't that much stake. Uh, and it, you're not going to see that in high volume cryptocurrencies. But that is a possibility that if, if you're not looking for people who are trying to abuse the system, it is significantly easier to get that 50% plus one. Does it yep. slow down the transactions? You only no. have one miner working on it at a time. No? No, because the, the difficulty goes to basically zero. Mm -hmm. Ah. Like the, yeah. So, it help, so that's one thing it would help because the speed of transactions has really gone up. Oh, yeah. You could you could okay. literally compute the next Run block down. in the chain for, for Ether yeah. on a smartphone. Okay. Oh, like, good. So yeah. proof of stake speeds up transactions. Does it reduce gas fees? Because that's the other problem. Uh, the cost of of putting these transactions in the ledger can be so, so high as to as to make it pointless. The gas the gas fees are based on throttling, like because there can only be so much in a block, right? Mm -hmm. And so you're trying to if the if they're you're trying to add too much data to the chain uh, per unit time, right? Because each block is basically roughly a per unit time, right? The Ether blockchain tries to run at a constant, you know, a fixed rate. Right. And it tries to regulate itself right now. It regulates itself by adjusting the difficulty. Right. right. In the future, it doesn't need to do that. It just does it by other means. But for now, it's just, well, just make it harder or easier to figure out the next block. Right. The next answer, the next solution to the next block. Right. 
Um, but the gas fees would still have to exist for the sake of regulating just Correct. the data rate on the chain, right? Um, so it doesn't so affect. That's still going to be a thing. It doesn't. It doesn't change the problem, right? And gas. There's a theoretical so limit. Fees, yeah. Uh, gas fees get burned, and there's going to be fewer block rewards now since there's not going to be mining, right? Mm-hmm. Which actually means that the you know the amount of ether that exists is going to decrease over time, eventually. Oh, right? interesting. Okay. Yeah, there will be fewer. So instead of making more, isn't that inflationary? Does that not make it inflationary? I mean, I don't know to what degree. It depends on how how much gas fees get piled up and everything else right. that, that you know works as a thing to to make ether uh, be go away. Right, go into the ether. So this is this is this is mo- on the sounds mostly like a good idea, uh, but there are things that could go wrong, and there are plenty of people who make money as Bitcoin miners who think this is a terrible idea. And they, well, yeah. have, I mean, you're gonna they, yeah, you're gonna have those fork. people that have yeah, there's gonna be people that have invested insane amounts of money into hardware, and they want to keep you know mm-hmm. using that investment. It's good obviously. for those of us who are trying to buy GPUs. But uh, yep. <laughs> but so so their ether ETH will almost certainly fork. Um, they have been t- you know just like NASA uh, tests before they launch a rocket. They've been doing tests of the merge. The thirteenth and final shadow fork executed today. I don't know what I'm saying. With no apparent issues. Actually, uh, that was September 9th. So the the forks the forks have worked. So there is. I mean, there's. It could be a disaster, but it looks like all all signs point to a positive uh, change. Uh, the merge. Are you saying it's like the good place, and we're all forked, Leo? <laughs> we're all forked. <laughs> we may be forked. Uh, the Ethereum mainnet's thirteenth shadow fork went live earlier on the ninth without a hitch. So it looks like everything's gonna be. Good. It'll Proof be of, fine. It'll, it'll be, be fine. fine. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> All right. E- meanwhile, uh, the value of ether, ETH has been going up over the last a few I weeks. I think people see this as a positive. I don't know what could go wrong because Padre won't let me see the books that tell us. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Uh, it's been it's been in the archives. Yeah, <laughs> we've 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 got all the predictions. We know exactly what's going to happen. And lo, they forked right. the ETH. Yes. <laughs> All right. Next week, we are going to get some uh, financial experts on uh, to talk about uh, the merge and what happened. I feel like we're... They'll tell us how bad we were. Our discussion how was, bad it immediately. was. Yeah. How bad we did, yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. Um, this is like the Elon Musk conversation. If you don't show enough uh, loyalty to cryptocurrency, you certainly are going to be an outcast. But All right, Leo. What do you want to know about this Optane stuff? <laughs> Optane! Let's get, Let's get it over with. So Intel, I remember, boy, I was excited when Intel announced, uh, what would they call it? Not CrossFit. Cross- Crosspoint. Crosspoint. Uh, <laughs> CrossFit. CrossFit. The, new, the newest RAM. Crosspoint, which was a 3D uh, technology for making memory. And everybody, well, I mean, I mean, we're doing that now on NAND anyway. Anyway, okay, right. I mean, there's literally hundreds of layers in NAND now, so NAND is very much 3D. Oh, so I was all excited. I mean, when when did they announce this? Five five or six years ago, and uh, 2015. Uh, yeah. And they branded it Optane, and yep. the promise of it was what faster, cheaper. What were they? What was the 
hope for for 3D cross. So cheaper than RAM, right? That was the idea. Cheaper than basically, it sat in between RAM and solid state, traditional solid state storage. And that's how Intel has been selling Optane. Which is is it RAM? Is it solid state? Yes. Yeah, they've been selling. Well, they were selling both types of devices. Yes, right? there were, it's both. There was there was a there was a dim form factor that was sort of sit alongside the RAM in a server, and you can make a very large memory pool where the the DRAM is actually like a caching layer on top of the Optane DIMMs, which were you know sort of the the, the the memory pool, if you would, right? But slower than what DRAM was, obviously, because there's you know there's always a catch, right? You can't get something for nothing. Uh, so that was one. You know, one solution, and then the other solution was you take the same chips, or basically the same chips, and you stick them behind a SSD controller uh, and connect it to PCIe. And now you have, and a, now you a have drive. Now you have a regular drive, right? So they were covering, you know, both both types of uh, of forms there, right? Um, but there was just someday there's going to be like a Harvard Business School study or some kind of like somebody's at some point is going to have to put something together that just sort of covers here's what? all of the things that were against it. This is my right? question. Is it a market problem or a technology problem that killed Optane? It was kind of a little bit of everything. Oh. In my opinion, at least. Right. You had you had just sort of the fundamentals. Right. You had this thing that was so much faster than what was there traditionally as far as the SSD Twice as fast went. as regular SSDs. It's like doubling the speed. Oh, right? way faster than double. Even more. Um, oh, yeah. The latency, when, when, when the Optane devices came out, the latency was roughly like, the read latency was like one-tenth of a regular SSD. Wow. Right? But, you know, speaking as far as like, well, how does that impact the whole system? Right. If you make a thing that just goes ten times as fast, suddenly the bottleneck shifts anywhere it's else. It's now an IO IO bottleneck. Yeah. Well, it's 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 everything other than the IO, right? Like it's you know if you if if you can make the IO one tenth the the speed or one tenth the time to complete, then all of a sudden, if there was any other bottleneck or any other inefficiency, ah. even with the be it with the kernel, you know, the software, uh, the application uh, trying to access the thing, right? Sort of it's sort of uh, shifted the burden everywhere else all of a sudden. And it was a matter of, well, how fast can you possibly make an SSD, like a PCIe SSD that plugs into the system? And there is sort of a, a, a glass ceiling there where it's like, well, you know, the controller can only go so fast. Uh, just to negotiate to communicate on the PCI bus takes a few microseconds, right? So if you have a thing that could that that can operate in 10 or fewer microseconds, uh and the PCI, just speaking PCI Express, consumes, say, I don't know, a third or half of that, right? Like, you know, what, what was previously a very small fraction of a regular uh, traditional SSD uh, response time was now very significant, right? Um, and so when you combined all that stuff together, just, you know, that's just, that's just only speaking to the point of how much faster, can, you know, was the user experience for it in the SSD form factor, right? So it took literal years for everything else to sort of progress and for other other pieces of the puzzle there to, to become faster around those devices in order for the system to shine more and more, you know, because of those devices, right? So it was just ahead um, of its time. Why not keep it around? Until, there, was, until... There, was an, there was so much more, 
there was so much more just working against it, really, the whole time, right? And and there was also, it was the price was high, right? Uh, you know, to, did it did it? Yeah, make sense? but if was it's it, two and a half times faster, I don't care if it's twice as expensive, right? Right, and and granted, there were still people, you know, right near the end, there was uh, the last the last SSD that Intel made that had Optane in it, the like, like traditional SSD wise, was a P fifty eight hundred X. This is just a fire-breathing SSD, right? The thing was just super fast. Um, for the first time, they had shifted to a control. Like, previously, the controllers were even a bottleneck because in order to take most advantage of the low latencies, they sort of had to kneecap themselves on what was the highest throughput you could get from the device, right? So the earlier Optane devices couldn't even saturate Gen 3 PCI Express, right? You have a, a bus that should go nearly 4 gig per second, but the devices were only going 2. Right. So if you and actually, Leo, I think you had like a 900 P at yeah. one point. Yeah. Right. That drive would only do 2.2 or 2.4 right. gig per second. Basically, it was bottlenecked by its own controller. Wow. Throughput wise. Right. The latencies were amazing, but pure throughput, you know, there was sort of this ceiling there. And so that P5800 X, when it came out, was amazing because they finally did a controller where it could just go full speed of the bus. It just didn't care. There was no longer an Achilles heel as far as, oh, it's it's fast here, but it's not fast here. Like that thing just annihilated everything. However, it was expensive. Um, yeah, but uh, and, boy, it seems you know, like that's it, – it feels like they killed something before it really had a chance to live up to its potential. I, I guess, but like you're talking, what, seven, eight years? Yeah. So, right? like, so will we eventually have memory that's as fast as this? Kind of. I mean, I don't think I don't know how long it will take for somebody else to do a cross point style media. Right. So as far as, you know, will we see another media come out that's as fast uh, that was as fast as uh, Optane media wise? I don't know. Uh, Might take a few years if it does. Who knows there? But there are some there are some aspects of the storage community and industry that the the mere presence of Optane as a technology helped to drive. And one of the big ones is CXL, right? Compute Express right. Link, which was sort of the industry trying to solve, you know, the issue of, hey, if you have really fast media that sits at a different tier from DRAM, how do you connect it to the system? How do you integrate it with the operating system? How do you take advantage of it in a, in a more, you know, appropriate way? Um, the funny thing about this is if CXL just appeared out of nowhere, say seven years ago, Intel would probably, would probably have not announced, you know, stopping uh, crosspoint, right? It, it probably, probably would have been profitable because there was just this easy, here's this better way to connect it to the system and take full advantage of it. Right. But that wasn't there is this big chicken and the egg, uh, right. you know, dilemma. Of what the about something like, um, Apple's doing with the, or, or the Xbox with unified memory, um, then you don't have to worry about the bus so much, right? Uh, what if we I put mean, it you still all have to worry chip? about. Yes, but you still have to worry about the 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 performance capabilities of the different tiers. In other words, like how are you attaching? Right. Even if you have a different a different you, sort of you still architecture. have a kind of a bus. It's an internal to the dial. Yeah, there's still there's still a physical thing to be yeah. solved. Yeah. Right. Um, I feel but again, bad. Yes, the software piece is important. So I guess the question everybody, or certainly I had, was: Is this a failure on Intel to capitalize on what was a good technology, or was this not such a great technology, or 
It sounds like it was a good technology. It was a, it, it was maybe too good. It, the technology the it technology died, was great. It died too uh, young, too good. It was expensive. It was expensive to make. Yeah, I would imagine. I don't even know the actual numbers. I never. So that's part of the was problem. Told about that, but it could not have been cheap to make it. Right. I mean, I so before I even started working for Intel, I wrote the article at PC Perspective of how I did all the the deep dive on uh you know ISSCC filings and things from years prior where. Basically, I figured out that, hey, this stuff is actually just phase change memory, right? <laughs> Even though Intel, when it first launched, would swore up and down that it wasn't. They didn't want to say it was for I still don't know what the reason was. Um, but, you know, the technology itself was amazing. And I would even say, like, you know, I mean, phase change memory for, for decades was like the flying car of PC storage. Yeah. Right? Remember that? Like, it was always, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm sure... I'm sure, Leo, you mentioned the term phase change memory on several of the first round of screensavers. Yeah, along with as a thing, fusion you know, uh, energy and, uh, <laughs> and uh, sure, yeah, and flying cars, and quantum right? computing, yeah, and flying cars, yeah, right, exactly. And so, <laughs> yeah, um, so I mean, it actually came to be. It probably wasn't cheap to make because, again, you're trying to. I mean, you're literally making a thing that can make a little tiny you know, microscopic pole of, me of metal alloy molten <laughs> and re-solidified. Yeah, that's wild, isn't it? Yeah. Right? That's just wild. Even to yeah, think about it now, yeah. that's ridiculous that it's happening inside of a chip to store a bit, right. Right? right? I mean, it's, you know, it's crazy enough to think that you're quantum tunneling electrons into a NAND cell to store bits, but actually melting like 600 degrees Celsius metal. It's kind of magic of what's chip. going on in there anyway, isn't it? I mean, you just said sure, quantum yeah. tunneling. I mean, my God, it's magic. Yeah, so, you know, the technology was great. It's just that there were there was an awful lot of stuff working against it. You know, there were Will all, we there see was, speeds like that uh, with other technologies again or uh, I mean, I hope so as an enthusiast. I yeah. want things to go faster, yeah. right? Um, however, uh, so, like, the Optane uh, PCI SSD latencies were roughly in the 10-ish microsecond, you know, per transaction uh, time frame, right? And when it came out, SSDs were running at about 100, 90 to 100 it's microseconds. Amazing, yeah. Right? But now, modern-day SSDs are actually getting down to, like, the 50s and the 40s microseconds. For much lower cost, so, yeah. For a much lower cost, yeah. right? And you're And you're getting to the point where... Uh, you know, Optane was well into the diminishing returns, right? It's like when, when if you got to 40 or 50, if you go all the way down to 10, you're really splitting hairs on right. actually seeing much more of a benefit right. in that system, right? So, you know, it's kind of like the NAND things are, are, are getting to the point where it's it's close enough, right? And it's, Intel has it. Enough. They're saying now, Pat Gessens, you're saying, we're not giving up on Optane, right? We're doing – they're still – I mean – no, his his phrasing was they are winding down the optane. Winding business. it down. Okay. Yeah. yeah, and Micron now, that doesn't walked mean that's... away from it last year. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Micron walked away Micron, from it. They switched uh, well, that's year, part so. of the problem. Micron was the co-developer of this. If Micron doesn't make them, what is Intel right. going to do, right? Mm -hmm. right? But you still have... Micron you know, actually I mean, worked still... on... Instead, we're going to do CXL instead. <laughs> right. Intel still has another, like, the next server CPU to launch, which is supposed to have support for the next generation of their DEM form factor Optane. And I don't know if they're, are they, are they going to, like, yank the feature out from under the next Xeon to come out? I, I would guess probably not, since, like, I think all the work would have been done. Yeah. 
Again, I didn't work right. in that. So maybe group get it while you can. <laughs> Sounds like. I mean, <laughs> well, no. I mean, it's it's like it's going to be I a mean, collector's still, issue. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe. There are. Um, I I know there are people who are willing to spend for that kind of speed. Like uh, s- speed is right. worth more than the gold. It's just the the question yeah. was. Were there enough people willing to right. spend that? Right. right, 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 to justify Intel continuing to try to make it? Right. So, thank you. I've been wanting to ask this for some time, and I appreciate. Yeah. I don't. And know trust what... me, it it pains me that that's the way it went. Sure. Right. Because I mean, sure. as just as a pure enthusiast, I mean, heck, the whole thing that got me into the industry so cool. as a tech journalist was that I just wanted the newest, fastest yeah. storage so cool. thing. Right. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, and at if heart, got, I, if I got, want the things to go faster. If you've got Optane, there's no reason, you know, uh, good, good sound in our chat room says, my desktop has a 16-gig Optane memory. Be happy, right? There's nothing to... That, too, yeah. As, like, a caching tier? Yeah, it was great for that, too. Yeah? Yeah. It was great for all sorts of yeah. things. It's just that it's just that there wasn't enough volume at that at that bleeding edge, right? Even right. even the caching argument is a hard one to make because most people are fine just with one regular SSD in their system mm-hmm. and they just they're like, "Well, why do I need to have this other extra complication?" Isn't that funny? Right? They've got computers yeah. have gotten so fast, we don't maybe we don't really need to get them that much faster. <laughs> That's wild. What a Until wild. Until you have thought. harder tasks. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, yes, there is still a subset of tasks that even years from now an Optane SSD will probably do better and the the biggest one that comes to mind is if you have a bunch of heavy writing going on while you're trying to do like the system be responsive in reading at the same time something so like to actually a other. network operations center might need for instance uh, something like trans- well, maybe transactions even, yeah maybe even power users like you're a linux user you're doing a kernel compile and a few other things in the background and you want Jeez. your foreground things to also be speedy yeah, yeah right of course um, but again it really isn't to the bleeding edge power user territory there right right you really got to be pushing the system pretty hard to, to see those advantages alan melvin title ladies and gentlemen i miss having this guy on uh, on our regular uh, shows such important and interesting information i appreciate it, it yeah. maybe it felt like an old uh, twitch episode it did that didn't was it kinda nice it's back baby <laughs> twitch briefly. is back yeah. yeah thank you alan i appreciate <laughs> it hey let's take one final break some silly stuff to wrap it up coming up in just a second guess who this show is brought to you by Worldwide Technology and Intel. How about that? I did not plan this. WWT is at the frontier of innovation. Uh, I'm really impressed with WWT. We went out right before COVID to St. Louis to visit, to see the Advanced Technology Center. That is an amazing thing. The ATC is a research and testing lab, probably the last great research and testing lab in the world that brings together technologies from all the leading OEMs, more than half a billion dollars worth of equipment invested in the lab. Yes, there's Optane there. In fact, the ATC offers hundreds of on-demand and schedulable labs featuring solutions that include technologies like Intel Xeon scalable processors, Intel Optane persistent memory, Optane SSDs, and others representing the latest in multi-cloud architecture and security and networking primary and secondary storage, data analytics and AI, DevOps, and so much more. In fact, I vividly remember the Optane units sitting in the rack. They looked so cool. So, so cool. WWT's engineers, I talked to them, the the engineers that work in the labs, they use 
the uh, Advanced Technology Center to spin up proofs of concepts, to learn about technologies, to integrate technologies so that when they deliver to you as a customer, you they are giving you the best solutions. They really help you get exactly what you need. They also use the labs to cut evaluation time down from months to weeks. But here's the great thing. You can use the ATC too. You can test out products and solutions before you go to market. You can access technical articles, in, in, expert insights, demonstration videos, white papers, hands-on labs, and other tools that help you stay up to date with the latest technology. The ATC is not just a physical lab space at WWT. It's virtualized. You can access it anytime, anywhere in the world. All you have to be is a member of the ATC platform, and it's free to join. While exploring the ATC platform, make sure to check out the great events WWT puts on. We actually we did an event out there. It was so much fun. Communities, too, that are all working towards the same goal of, of learning about the latest technology trends and how to integrate them into business. Because the thing that WWT really stands for, and I really appreciate, is they understand that technology is there to serve your business strategy. And so it's strategy first, but they're the ones that can integrate You'll learn everything you need at the Advanced Technology Center at WWT. Whatever your business needs, WWT can deliver scalable, tried and tested, tailored solutions. WWT brings strategy and execution together to make a new world happen. Learn more about WWT, the ATC, to gain access to all those free resources. To join the platform, visit WWT.com slash twit. This is a must for anybody who uses enterprise technologies. Create an account on the ATC platform. Cost you nothing. WWT.com slash twit. We had a fun week this week on twit. We've made a little mini movie for you. Benito, fire up the projector. I don't know. Whatever it is you do. Everybody, clap. My hands are still sore from that concert. Every other song. They said, put your hands together. Thank you very much. <laughs> Previously on Twit. Coming up next on Hands on Windows, we're going to take a look at Nearby Share, which is a great but underused feature in Windows 10 and 11 that allows you to share files between computers, but also website URLs and photos. This week in Enterprise Tech. Today we have Microsoft's Steve Kate. He's Senior Director of Azure Space. We decided that Microsoft didn't need to build and launch its own satellites, but rather partner with others who do and bring our unique strengths and our capabilities and bring them together with these different space companies to do new and innovative projects. Twit News. We're calling it the dynamic, dynamic island. island. <laughs> we designed this new space to be highly I think that's where Larry Page wanted to move. Wait, so no. now, look at this. You receive an alert. The dynamic island oh, expands. Oh, wow. Yeah, see, I like that. This works that across is the entire so system clever. for things like confirming your If you're stuck are with it, you may as well oh, lean into it. Twitch. Lean, it's a lean into it, exactly. That was a lot of fun doing that uh, Apple event, I have to say. And we're going to be, is that... Are they playing some Motley Crue there? I don't know. It feels like uh, I'm looking forward to October 6th, the, the Google event. We'll be covering that live. Jason Howell will be there. Ron Richards. I might pop in <laughs> over my morning coffee. <laughs> it should be very interesting. October 6th, 7 a.m. Pacific time. Happy birthday, Atari 2600. September 11th, 1977. 45, as old as Jason Howell, 
Yeah, I was about to ask. Is that the same exact day? <laughs> I don't know. Jason, is it, the, it is, I think. The Atari video. This, to me, the reason I'm excited is this was what got me into computing, really. I, yep. I spent a lot of quarters at Chuck E. Cheese Pizza Time Theater playing Battlezone on the big old Atari arcade machine. I thought, if I just put some of those quarters towards buying one of these, I could play yeah. it at home. Of course, I got at home and realized these games are crap. (laughs) A little bit on the crap side, but it was still cool. Yeah, yeah. That's when I bought the Atari 400, then replaced it later with the 800. Well, the rest is uh, is history. It was I got it one year after I got into radio. I got the Atari 2600. So happy. I I mean, it was it it was a, a a monumental moment for geeks. You bet. To, to, I mean, yes, the quality was terrible, but you could play it at home. You could play it anytime yep. you wanted, and you could buy cartridges and change the game on, like you could, uh, like you could, uh, you can do that in the arcade. It was better than Pong, and then you know, <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, it was. It was about as good as Pong. By Listen. the way, I have an Atari Twenty Six Hundred, kind of in honor of this, but it's the size of a dime. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's tw- but but you know what? You see, it actually plays some games. It's got a little Pac Man. Leo, you Same were playing with that. Too. The last twit I was on, you were playing yeah. with that on the show. Yeah, I can't remember who <laughs> recommended it. it was twenty? It's twenty five bucks on Amazon. It has a joystick, just like the Atari joystick. It's even got. It doesn't have cartridges, but it has a big reset button. It has the switches, game select, game reset. So that's kind of cool. Listen, uh, one, of, Leo, one of my memories from not... when I was little. One of my memories from when I was little was uh, like like our. Our neighbor or somebody was over, and like she rolled over the, the score on Space Invaders. Oh wow! And listen, that was that was That's like uh, you're deal. getting you're getting the other people in the apartment to come and see. <laughs> like, she just rolled over the score. And made yeah, it. yeah, it was like yeah, it was like such a huge deal. Space like, Invaders is a great you know, game, actually. That was a great game. So this little mini one has Breakout, Tempest, Centipede, Combat, Pong, Warlords, Missile Command, Millipede, Asteroids, and Pac Man. I mean, twenty five oh, bucks. Is it? Is it just as horrible Missile as it Command. was before? Yeah, it's actually pretty good. Yeah, I mean, look, Pac-Man. there's not the a lot Pac-Man of processing power in this, but uh, I mean, this has the same, I'm sure, probably more processing power than the original twenty six hundred forty five years ago. So somebody, it's, somebody in the past few years went back and fixed ET. Yes, like the ET game was notorious for being horrible, and somebody How like do you re- fix it. Somebody I mean, patched. They made patches to bad. it to fix the really bad parts. I mean, it's still probably not a great game, but like they fixed the annoying bad parts of the code. Like they actually sort of. I mean, debugged, the the game you know. was programmed as if they they sent someone to watch the movie and describe to them what the movie <laughs> the was worst. about. There's no connection between the game and the movie. They never released it. Yeah. In fact, they buried all the cartridges uh, yeah. in a landfill. I have an ET cartridge here, actually. Somebody, a listener, brought me one. Yeah. I had two. And I gave one uh, to one of our contributors. A guy who did a show uh, for us was talking about it. And I said, well, would you like my, (laughs) would you like a copy? Play it on your 2600. (laughs) Wow. Uh, Uh, Ocean shipping rates have plunged 60% this year. So if you've been thinking about mm -hmm. bringing over a container, maybe on your way home, Put some of those uh, Vatican Library books in there. Cost now, you, cost you a lot. Is that, price didn't go is up. Is that is that drop partially artificial because they were so high the year prior? Yeah, probably. Very. Huh? Yeah, yeah. Right. Very. 
Uh, so I didn't know this, but the Wall Street Journal says it costs to ship a 40-foot container from China to the West Coast about $5,400 a box, down from $9,000 uh, in January. Yeah, because everything spiked when, you know, you had uh, you had a big container ship sideways in a canal and Peaked at, up, peaked yeah, at more than $20,000 at one point. <laughs> so here's the graph. February uh, 2020, we're still not down oh, to that so point. We're still, yeah. It was in February oh, okay. 2020, it was 1400 bucks. Imagine that. No wonder we had so many, you know, tchotchkes, Chinese tchotchkes. For, that was nothing. Went all the way up to 20000 That was the peak in... Uh, yeah. uh, Late last year, October, September last year, about a year ago. Well, that explains some of the prices being high on stuff. Yeah, there's a there's a yeah. source of inflation right there. Yeah. So it's come down, but it's still not at the level pre-pandemic levels. Pre-pandemic was fourteen hundred bucks. Wow, wow. Hmm. Walmart chartered its own ships because it got so expensive. It was cheaper to get a ship than it was to get a container. I said, forget that. We're going to do it ourselves. So I don't know if this will help inflation or help keep costs down, but I thought that was an interesting uh, story. Instagram fined $400 million uh, because they gave up kids' data. This is the Ireland uh, privacy regulator, data privacy regulator. $402 million against Instagram uh, due to their handling of children's data. Do you think it'll uh, it'll get any better? No. no. They're going to appeal that, of course. Yeah. Doesn't Instagram have something but, where you're supposed to be sold to to be, you know, So the investigation on focused it? on users between the age of 13 and 17 in the US COPPA says under 13. So this was okay. kids that were legal in the US. The mm. investigation focused on child users between the age of 13 and 17 who were allowed to operate business accounts. Oh, well, <laughs> so fancy. What's wrong with that? Which facilitated the publication okay. of the user's phone number and or email address. You know, So these are kids who wanted to be influencers. I think this is great. Yeah, if a 13-year-old yeah. says, I want to start my business on Facebook, for crying out loud, let them. That's not a privacy issue. money for their containers. Yeah. How yeah. are they, they going to pay for the right. containers? There is a new search engine. I don't know. How many of you... When you're doing a search, uh, instead of searching Google, search Reddit. Or you add site reddit.com to your search. Oh, I do. Yeah. It depends I, on what it I is. I don't use yeah. Google. Reddit, I only use Bing. Especially if you're searching for products, use Bing. What's wrong with that? Does it, does it actually, actually use Bing? And it actually works? There is Honest a, to goodness, I, I've been using Bing for years. It's, it's Bing's, my Bing's pretty bad for some of the searches I try to do, usually for certain kind of technology things. Like I still Bing's use just, Google. You just won't I, get I, the result. The top of the page on Google <laughs> is often now wasted with knowledge graphs and videos from YouTube. Sure. I love YouTube. Not, nothing wrong I with just YouTube. use YouTube. Yeah, I was about to say. <laughs> just search YouTube. Reddit. So this is a new search engine, Luria, L-O-O-R-I-A.com, that uh, actually... Uh, scrapes Reddit to find the favorite products in many of the Reddit groups. So I just thought I'd pass that along to you. Most discussed That's products on cycling or e-bikes or earbuds or headphones. Sometimes uh, it's a little, uh, you know, depends on the on the subreddit. Some subreddits are infested with spammers uh, and companies, frankly, trying to improve Or their, just toxicity. Yeah, or toxicity. So, but hey, I think an interesting... Idea for search engine. L O O R I A. 
actually, uh, there was a thing just the other day that was one of those really hard to search for kind of things, and it wasn't until I added Reddit in. Yeah. And even then, I had to do, go a little deep on it. Oh yeah, but you it have was, to work. Yeah. Uh, well, I had this one Dell laptop that, like, it was an IT build laptop because it was a work laptop, so it didn't come with some of the regular software that would come preloaded on the Dell thing, like mainly control panels for like sound. And there was this real tech based something something that was adding this horrible echo into like USB connected audio devices. Oh, so weird. like my headset was just doing this weird reverb whenever I was like using the headset. And I'm like, what the heck is going on here? And I could not crack that problem. And I mean, I'm reasonably savvy on computer stuff and still could not figure out what the heck was going on there. And it wasn't until it was at the bottom of some obscure Reddit thread where somebody was like, oh, yeah, you got to install this control panel from the Microsoft store for this, you know, sound max something something control Isn't panel. Isn't that awesome? To, That's why I love Turn Reddit. off the reverb. I use Reddit. Yeah. Some, it's not just for memes anymore. It's not just for memes. Yeah. Do you remember when Cirrus... So you may think, hey, if a plane breaks in the sky, why doesn't it have a parachute? You have the passengers have a parachute. Why does the plane have a parachute? You ever think that maybe after one too many spleefs and a couple of bomb that's hits? A, that's a thing for Cessnas. Cessnas have parachutes. Yeah. Hello. Small planes can have parachutes. The Cirrus yeah. Airframe Parachute System, or CAPS, has been used for the first time. This is the Cirrus Vision Jet, a single-engine private jet. They had problems. Uh -huh. They deployed the parachute. The pilot, a boy and a woman, walked away safe and sound because the parachute brought them in for a safe landing. Yeah. It's the first deployment of the airframe chute in operation. Wow. I'm surprised it's, it's been this long. Right. You know, because it's been around for a while. I'm surprised this is the first, like, you know, deploy, actual, like, live deployment that for... Well, they've done. I've seen deployments on Cessnas, on like uh, the the old turboprop Cessnas. Yeah, this but is this a jet. Might be the first small yeah. jet. Yeah, know? maybe that's okay. It. Yeah, maybe that's it. Yeah. So I guess you got a big, a big lever there. You can pull it and you just float to the ground. <laughs> that's oh. hysterical. This is a simulator. This is not. Not real. Right. <laughs> just so you know. I mean, the one thing, though, is once you pull that chute, you don't have any control over no, where you're, you're going to land. Now right. you're just, <laughs> you're, you're going to land wherever you land. You're in Newton's hands. No miracle yeah. on the Hudson for you, buddy. You're going to, yeah. <laughs> I like that. You're in Newton's hands now. <laughs> that's that's hysterical. Uh, let's see. Some new Linux malware out there. Uh, sounds like Ooh, a nation that's state. A big one. This is a big one. Um, yeah. I don't oh, usually yeah. mention I was, malware. I was reading about that. It's real. It's real nasty. Shikatega. Uh, really Shikatega. Shikatega. Yep. Um, very uh, stealthy. Uh, according to the AT and T Alien Labs, the researchers who discovered it, the malware delivered through a multi-stage infection chain using polymorphic encoding. It uses legitimate cloud services to host command and control servers, so it's very difficult to detect. Uh, and it can infect not only uh, Linux machines but IoT devices uh, based on Linux, and it's a pretty... the, the cloud provider thing it, aspect yeah. was was the big thing that popped out at me as a possible defense, right? Because right? right, but right. you but you have to figure out where where is it reaching out to, which yeah. cloud service provider, yeah. which addresses, right? And sometimes even that's obfuscated and, and not readily obvious, and even if you have but remember some of the, the code the, to disassemble. 
the dropper, the dropper is only 370 bytes, 370 not, not bytes. megabytes yes. or kilobytes. It's 370 amazing. bytes. Yeah. Amazing. It's smaller that, than one The sector. polymorphic encoder is crazy because basically every time it runs, it rewrites its code. The underlying yep. algorithm stays the same. But if you're looking for the code to detect the threat, it'll change every single time it runs. It makes it hard to yep. do a signature-based virus detection. Mm-hmm. Is that the idea? Well, yeah. and, and it stays yep. in memory is another important yep. aspect of it. It doesn't. If it never, if no piece of it ever touches the disk, then a lot of the antivirus type, uh, you know, scanning tools on on regular endpoint systems just aren't gonna. They're not gonna see it. So and it's very know, very you know. flexible. Yeah. Because yeah. it's it's yeah. Uh, they included a Metasploit module called uh, Metal, mm-hmm. which uh, allows me to take over any connected devices. So USB cameras, USB microphones. Oh, I can Jesus. remote execute code. Oh it's Lord. Pretty nightmare. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's not good. Yeah. It also so, could put a crypto miner on there just in case you wanted to make some money. Too. Exactly. Why not? So, Why not? So the, the, <laughs> the good news here is that uh, I think its its attack vector it was like one or two different CVEs or something. Basically, they're yeah, it's two of them. Yeah, two of them. It's it's two of them, but it's issues that like there are patches out. So it's a matter of like Correct. You know, obviously, uh, and I think we talked about this last time I was on Leo. Make sure all of your things are updated. Patch your things. Right? Patch all the things. <laughs> Patch your th- the problem is, of Patch course, IoT devices, which often are not patchable and may well have <laughs> The code problem are Raspberry Pis right. that yeah. haven't been right. updated for 15 years or yeah. whatever it's yes. been. I mean, I, I've got a couple here that I, I mean, I have to force myself to remember you got to update your Linux. Just go, go, go ahead and run the update. Why not? It right. takes a couple minutes. Yeah. Right. One of the CVEs has been in the Linux kernel for 12 years. Pwnkit uh, was discovered <laughs> last year uh, and has been patched in most – in a modern Linux, you're patched. But IoT, yeah. maybe not so much. Yeah. Uh, the other uh, came to light in April of this of last year. Uh, both have been patched. But this is – yeah, it sounds like a nation state. But, I, but of course, that crypto – the Monero miner is a little weird. Nation state wouldn't that's, do that. Yeah, Unless it's that misdirection. Like kitty thing. Yeah. It's, what, I mean, it's pretty cleverly uh, written. Uh, okay. I think we have literally done all the stories. <laughs> I got nothing left. Uh, so we can let Jason go have some birthday cake, I think, and let you all Yay. go have some dinner. Renee, birthday, I miss Jason. you. I think you're doing God's work over there at YouTube as creator thank liaison. You. They are so lucky to have Renee oh, Ritchie you. there to kind of go like the Tim Gunn. You go in there, you do a Renee talk and say, let me tell you something. As a YouTuber, no, there's I an, it's an amazing team. I am continually yeah. oppressed by just how much they care about nice. creators and viewers. And almost all the discussions are about like w- how we can best serve as many of them as possible. Yeah, that's great. YouTube.com slash Renee Ritchie once a week. And uh, at Renee Ritchie on Twitter. And I just hope we see you again soon. Uh, Absolutely. Miss, miss you terribly, but it's great to hear from Likewise. you. Likewise, yeah. Thought, Man, if we can get Renee on for this show, that would be pretty cool. So now that I know I can get you, that's you. great. Yeah. Same for you, Alan Malventano. No longer at Intel. Now at Solidime, still studying SSDs. And as you probably could tell, kind of an expert uh, and our favorite Submariner. Thank you for being here, Alan. I <laughs> you keep bringing it. up the submarines. I love the submarines. <laughs> You're the only guy I know who's ever been on a submarine, for real. So oh, that's cool. That's, that's just cool. And, 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 and then there's and then there's uh, Padre literally doing God's work. Yeah, he's actually doing yeah. God's work. Well, I'm I'm actually just like Renee. We we do cater to creator, the, the creator. <laughs> the cre- you only have you have a the creator liaison. A single a single customer, but you know he's a, he's a big <laughs> yeah, yeah. big wig. Uh, he's an influencer, I would say. DigitalJesuit.com, Padre SJ, 
So great to see you. Uh, I miss you. This, this, I miss you all. This is fun. Let's get, all, get the OGs in here for a twit. I really appreciate it. Uh, we do twit every Sunday around 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern, 2100 UTC. Please join us. Uh, you can watch us do it live. So you, you see all the mistakes, all the fumbles, all that stuff at twit.tv slash live. If you're watching live, chat live. The IRC is open all day and all night, uh, but usually gets a little more uh, exciting during shows. IRC.twit.tv. That's open to all. Of course, we also have a club. Uh, the club Twit is really a great place to get together in our Discord. I, I've become a huge fan of Discord. Uh, club Twit uh, is the place to be, if you ask me. We talk about not only the shows, but all sorts of other things going on, including coding and ham radio and books and comics. We've got uh, Stacy's Book Club coming up. We've got other events planned in there. Uh, and we also use the club to subsidize new shows. So you saw Hands on Windows with Paul Therott. We do Hands on Mac with Micah Sargent. We do the Untitled Linux show with Donna Jonathan Bennett and uh, and uh, Rob Campbell. Uh, we also do the Stacy's Book Club. We do the Gizfiz. All of those are subsidized by club members uh, because they're either too new or too small to have advertising. So the club members uh, subsidize that with their money. You also get ad-free versions of all the shows because you're contributing, so we don't need to show you ads. You don't even get this ad. And uh, you'll also get access to the Twit Plus feed, which has the hands-on Mac, hands-on Windows, and lots of other stuff that doesn't make it to the public podcast. And all of that, that's a lot for 7 bucks a month. That is a good deal. There's yearly plans. There's enterprise plans. Find out more. And you can buy some shows individually ad-free for $2.99 a month if you just want to subscribe to those. All of that at twit.tv slash club twit. Uh, this show appears along with all the other uh, ad-supported shows on our website as soon as it's done, twit.tv. There's also a YouTube channel for it and all of our other shows. Each of them has their own channel, plus the main Twit channel, youtube.com slash twit. Uh, and there's also, of course, and probably the best way to get it, a podcast feed. Subscribe in your favorite podcast player. You'll get it the minute it's available, just in time for your Monday morning commute. Now, I think easily the longest-running tech podcast in the world in our 18th year thanks for joining me we'll see you next time another twit this is amazing, amazing.